This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by ComicBookClick.com. That's it, people. ComicBookClick.com is the one stop for all things Comic Book Click, our merchandise, our articles, and every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Visit ComicBookClick.com and remember, you, yes, you are worthy. out there in comic book land my name is george serrano aka the don and if you're listening to this you can only be here for one reason and it's a brand new episode of the major issues podcast brought to you by comicbookclick.com and as always i am never alone sir please introduce yourself i am dan the comic book man ladies and gentlemen dan the comic book man is here and we're here to finish our two-part recap and review of the irredeemable atman written by robert kirkman with art by phil hester um, yeah, we did the first six issues last week. We're going to finish up with issues six through, or seven through 12, I yep, believe. Seven through 12. Yeah, last week, Dan did me the favor of compiling notes for the first volume of this series. So I figured I was able to use the downtime, Dan. You know, I went into my hyper. Well, I wanted to give you a, a week off. You know, you need, you never get a week off. You are the host. The host never gets his week off. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So I figured I'd give you the week off from at least, you know, using your brain. You know, you got to use your brain too much except for reading. Yeah, I'm feeling better now. We just put out a new design. Uh, for a new Dune Patrol design is out oh, now. Oh, man. Um, what a, what a design that, that is. Um, and, yeah, I was able to do some reading. I had some downtime. I was able to take notes. So I, I took notes on the rest of the series. Um, and, yeah, I'm in general feeling good. Uh, the, the blog is going to be full of... Batwoman again this week because <laughs> people are going absolute bonkers over the new casting of Batwoman. Um, oh, I'm loving the casting. There's I a, love it. I don't, I don't have a. I don't have the more. I guess the more angry people get, the more uh, I feel like it's okay. <laughs> like the no, more, the you more. You literally took the words right out of my mouth. It first for, to me, it first happened with um with with uh, Captain Marvel. Okay. that was the first time I literally told myself, hmm, if everyone is getting this mad. They might be doing a good thing with the marketing because mad people still end up spending their money on this stuff, anyways. My whole no. thing is, you know, and this is what I'm gonna. Say, this is what I would have said. By the time this comes out, the blog will be out. So what I'm, what I'm ultimately going, this, the idea that I'm gonna circle around to, is that I feel that if you're a Kate Kane fan, this is extremely unfortunate. You know, if you're a Kate Kane fan and you've been reading all her books and you have all her merch, um, one. You're kind of probably in the minority. <laughs> I don't know many diehard uh, Batwoman fans. Not saying that she doesn't have them, but I'm saying... I mean, there is a difference between... Not, I don't want to sound like a layman. I mean, I do know that there's a difference. But for anybody that doesn't know, there is a difference between Batwoman and Batgirl. Yes, definitely. And maybe that's why a lot of people are not so turned on by Batwoman in a sense. Because it's like, well, I have... Oracle, I have Batgirl. I have well, and Batgirl is more. Batgirl is more famous as well. Batgirl, yeah. people know. People know that outfit. They've seen. She's in the the, the um, Adam West show. You know, she, she has is, her own movie. She's, she's literally the starring attraction of Killing Joke. Like, if, if as a matter of fact, if it probably wasn't for 
Batman Bad Blood, the recent animated series, I don't know if we would have ever seen a animated Kate Kane. You know, like, she's not in most, she's not in a lot of animated work as well. She's probably in two or three movies tops. Um, so, Kate is a great but sometimes obscure character. Um, if you can create a new character to pick up that mantle, not saying Kate's not good enough, but if you can create a new character to pick up that mantle and it, it helps spread awareness, you might end up getting residual... Your segues um, are literally top tier. <laughs> your segues are god tier. How do you do this? But I'm just How did you, I, saw, I knew where you were going with it halfway through. Once you said, well, if you can make a new character like that, I'm like, yo, is he about to segue? How does he but, do but, this? No, but it's the truth. If you're able to create a new character that uh, allows you to have, it's going to give you residual respect for the mantle in general. You know, when you, when you, Barry Allen gives me more respect for Jay Garrick. Wally West gives me more respect for Barry Allen. You know, uh, John Stewart gives me more respect for um, how Jordan. Jordan, you know. And so, like, I don't it's not like, oh, they replaced them and it is what it is. It's like, oh, no, it's a passing of the torch moment. So Kate has her stories. Those are done. Those are set. And if anyone were to mess them up, people would be throwing tantrums. But now there's nothing to mess up. This is a brand new canvas. They could do whatever they want. Her parents could be whoever. Her villain could be whoever. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is all uncharted territory. So how could you be mad at uncharted territory? There's nothing to be mad at yet. Yeah, they literally <laughs> did. That's so funny because they're literally doing what a lot of people have been saying forever. It's like, instead of just, you know, a race swapping a character, why don't you just make a whole new character? For in the right, and they're not race they swapping. They're not race swapping because she's not Kate. Yes. So, so you're right. <laughs> they made a whole new character. Right. What's She's funny black is woman, so there's representation in the there the right way without having to steal the thunder from another like from like um any other character out there. So yeah, it's not Kane. It's a new character. What's her name? Crimson Knight? I love it already. No, um, I love Well, she's still going to play Batwoman, but what's interesting is uh she her last name, I can't remember her her first name, but that sucks. Um but her last name on the show is going to be Wilder, which reminded Wilder. me which reminded me of um the Runaways, <laughs> yeah, and I, was like, and I was like, "Oh snap! This is this is gonna be, uh, yeah, this is gonna be crazy. This is gonna be good. This is gonna. I'm I am actually excited, especially since I like we both talked about it when we had to break the news with the Batgirl stuff. Yeah, that we wanted to start season one, but now we don't have like a leg to stand on because now we have to get used to a new Batwoman. But now with this casting, with what they're doing, I am one hundred percent ready for a new Batwoman. Um, Ryan, Ryan Wilder is her name. Ryan, Ryan Wilder? Ryan Wilder. The new character oh, of Ryan Wilder. Yo, why is it that girls can pull off having a guy's name, but <laughs> the guys Jason. can't pull off? Well, you have Leslie, Weird. you have Leslie N- N- Nielsen, right? <laughs> Leslie, well, you have Leslie Nielsen, yeah. Leslie, <laughs> but Leslie Nielsen is like a comedic genius, was a comedic genius. So. Right. No, I totally get it. But yeah, it, it's, it's not going to break. Creative geniuses. It's not going to break your image of what you got. And and this is the thing, and again, I don't want to be insensitive when I say this, but this the main idea for me is that you didn't really care in the first place. Most of the people no, getting didn't. the most upset haven't watched a single episode of the show. They just 100%. feel like there's this sweeping vendetta 
coming out against you know uh, classic superheroes. You know they're, they're they're attacking our classic superheroes. Yeah, but Miss Kane isn't even a classic superhero. She's like a what, probably a new hero. Oh, uh, don't get me started. Like Fifteen of, years old. Matter of fact, you got me on a diatribe because I um I uh you know I'm friends with um Superman expert and collector Tasman Humphreys. And she posted a a Superman picture for Pride Week, and people were like, "Oh, Superman would never defend the gays." And I'm like, "What?" what? And I'm like, what? "What?" No, for real. I'm like, "What?" Hey, no. don't put that gay stuff in our comic books. I was like, "Don't put that gay stuff in our." Yo, that thing gave me life. I came through. I was like, "Oh, Batwoman, gay. Carolina Dean, gay. Alan Scott, gay." Don't let me tell you about Constantine. Cause y'all about to Yo, find out some. Don't even. Y'all about to find out some things. Y'all about to find out some things. Deadpool, pansexual. Like, what you mean? Get this out of your comics. This has been there. You haven't been paying attention. Asexual. Joker's asexual. If you really want to go and go through all the LGBTs, Joker could actually count as asexual. I believe it. Yes, he had a he, he had a relationship with Harley, but it was more manipulative. Or probably less, emotional. Less you know? sexual. Yeah, it was more emotional instead of sexual. So he didn't have like. A preference, like there are so many characters that are literally not straight in comics. Get right. that gay shit out of comics. Yeah, Superman, so it's like yeah. listen, Superman would fight for the for gay rights before he'll ever fight for my rights. Okay. Well, the bigger thing is that like Superman doesn't he doesn't have to necessarily. Um... Oh, that. Yeah, he doesn't have to necessarily. He doesn't have to necessarily uh, understand it. Because he's an alien anyway, right? So what the hell does it matter? He doesn't have to necessarily understand it, but he's always um, defended the minority and the downtrodden. He's always just defended people's basic human rights to live, love, and because be he's safe. an alien. He's literally probably <laughs> the most like uh, people would be scared of him the most, right? And they don't even know him. They're just scared of something that's different. So why would he then persecute people that are different? <laughs> that doesn't never. make any sense. He never would. He never would. He he he's not with the racism. He's not with the hatred he's superman he's, the he's shits, literally bro. superman like he is not with the shits no i totally get it and that's the that's the big thing like once you start to take those moments and try to perverse them you know i think that's when things fail and that's when things start to fall flat once you um once you try once you you take your, your own stance on these things these things have existed way before you um they, they, everyone's always talking about the Christ imagery with Superman. He was created by two Jewish guys, you know. So it's like everyone's always trying to take it and make it what make it their own thing. Um, when it, they should just let it stand for what it's. But these are the kinds of people that for. didn't even understand what the purpose of the creating X Men was for. Right. No, you're well, who the X Men are based off of. They have no idea that Xavier is literally based off of a black man, and that Magneto is based off of a black man. I used to love those. Um, did you, you see those posts like during the the heights of the um, protest and stuff? That was like, if you're against this, then you're the empire. You're, you know, <laughs> you're district. You're literally one. every bad you're, guy in movies. Right, right, right. You're the, you're the. You need to know who you are in this situation. You're not the Superman in this. You know, you're the Lex Luthor. Like, who do you think the rebels were fighting up against? They were fighting up against tyrannical rules of an evil government of against fascism. Like, right. holy crap. Yep, yep, bunch yep. of fascists. You freaking fascists! <laughs> you freaking but, fascists! But that was our uh, slice of life um, that, conversation. That was a day in the life of our conversation. That's, yeah. the, that's basically our, how we talk. This is our yeah, and we haven't. I haven't seen you uh, since we recorded 
something. A mesovirus. A mesovirus, which was the first. That was literally the COVID, last time I saw you. That was the first COVID uh, recording, which was in March. And March 16th or something like that. Yeah. Holy hell. It has been a long time. But and we, this is coming from a guy that's come to your house like four days a week. But we've, every week. we've like, found ways to still provide content. Still always. talk about uh, what we're covering next. Still try to be on top of things. Um, that's one of the most stra- stressful things is this idea that everything keeps being canceled and being moved. So you, it's hard to try to stay in the zeitgeist of what's going on. Um, but in the meantime, we can always uh, we can always just cover comics because there's so many comics out there. And so literally, many comics. If it's if it's new to you, then it's new, and this was new to me. So this could have came out last year for all I care. Um, and that is Irredeemable Ant-Man. Are you ready to jump right into this completely spoiler-filled spoiler uh, review of Mr. Kirkman's work? Let's do this thing. Let's do it. Okay. So, oh, I'm also on some Monster Energy. So if I sound energized, that's that's why. That's what's going on here. Well, let's get the energy going. I'm on my Super Soldier Serum. So... Uh, we start where we left off, because where we left off last time in the last episode, uh, Eric O'Grady had hitched a ride inside Captain Marvel's uh, bag. What uh, is it? Carol is Captain Danvers. Marvel Miss Marvel, or are those two different characters? They're, they're both. They're the same character. Uh, they're both Carol Danvers. Yes. Short okay. short story is she was Miss Marvel because she was the she was Captain Marvel's lover. Oh yeah, the, the Shazam. We covered that on Miracle on uh, Miracle Man. Who's Miss Marvel for years? Until um, they changed her name to Captain Marvel in the 2010s, I want to say. So she was like, anytime you see her before 2010, she is Miss um, Marvel. Marvel. And but, this is like 2007, 2008. So, right. So, yeah. So she's about to turn into Captain, but she's Miss at the moment. Um, but yeah, she last we saw, uh, Eric O'Grady was running from the law in his stolen Ant Man suit, and he had jumped into uh, Miss Marvel's purse and. That's a big deal. This is his first interaction with an Avenger, an actual Avenger. So we start where we left off with our irredeemable Ant-Man inside of Miss Marvel's purse, hoping to shack up with and spy on her. That's not creepy at all. Well, originally he wanted to steal from her and bounce. Oh, no, yeah. What, what he, he realizes... shield and he was just going to steal her purse and like, steal money and bounce. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's the thing. He realizes that Marvel, whose real name is Carol Danvers, has registered with the Superhero Registration Act, so he starts to weigh out his options. Uh, he considers just robbing her, thinking that it isn't worth the trouble he would get into if he got caught, and even contemplates stealing enough money to pay a man to rob a different woman. Oh my god! Also, right. that was the first thing you knew. Dude, <laughs> right. When I read that, when I read, because remember, I didn't read volume two. I'm growing up. I only read the first volume. I right. stopped after volume one. So when I read that, and I said, "Wait, another." Wait the fuck Yo, yeah, yeah, and you y'all. know what's funny? I was waiting for that shoe to drop with the first one, with the one he went on a date with. I yeah. was waiting to find out that it was some kind of weird... And it was. ...put together, you know, yada yada. Um, so yeah, that is ridiculous. Uh, she was going to pay a man to rob a woman in this, in this street so he can come to her quote-unquote rescue and then, like, sneak into her apartment afterwards, I guess. <laughs> so, um... After realizing Carol doesn't carry much money, he decides to take a nap. And uh, when he wakes up, he thinks that he's in Carol's new apartment. Uh, and then he ends up hearing the shower in the background. So he goes to investigate, as he would. It's Miss Danvers taking a shower. So he flies over to the shower head to get a better look at this naked Avenger. 
his his response oh just kill me he's like you would you know you would think this gets old but it doesn't I'm right like, you are you are a sir you are something else and he he comes out of her purse having snuck in there on a mission to look at a woman naked right yep and some way somehow still manages to judge her living space <laughs> you understand know what i'm saying like he's He's a piece of trash, but he's still in sneaking into somebody's house. He's still like, "Wow, this is her place. I thought it'd be bigger or whatever." <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> no, just cognitive dissonance. Total, total, one hundred percent. Without a shadow of a doubt. So as he's spying on her, he hears a shield agent in the background. It turns out that they're not in Carol's apartment at all, but on a shield mini carrier. They also just so happen to be in Miss Marvel's quarters on the mini carrier. With a mini carrier hundreds of feet in the air, escaping is going to be a bit harder than usual. How'd you feel when you found out that Eric was basically on an Avengers ship? I was like, "Wait a minute, we're all, we're on the Avengers right now. We're we're about he's like about to go back to where he was. Oh man! And he was what was he gone for like two weeks? I think. Yeah, he was safer. Well, not on the ground, but like he thought he was good. Uh, on you know, like sneaking into purses, and he ends up closer to the threat than he was before. Um, so we see Carol leaving the ship to answer an Avengers distress call put out by Tony Stark. And so, uh, Eric hitches a ride by jumping onto her. This puts him at ground zero as Iron Man and the rest of the mighty Avengers. And, uh, quick note, once the Superhero Registration Act came out and superheroes started to have to register themselves, not all the Avengers on the OG team registered. So Tony Stark, being the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the head of the Superhero Registration Act, had to create his own government-sanctioned Avengers. People who would agree to the Registration Act and agree to being the poster childs of the Registration Act. Like, hey, we can sign it. You guys can too. And that Avengers team is Ares, Miss Marvel, Wonder Man, The Wasp, Black Widow, The Sentry, and Iron Man. Um, Pretty. Oh yeah, that was a funny scene. Like a when, when, when did we get assembled? Like 15 minutes ago? Right. We're right. not even going to have any training? Like, that was cracking me up. They were not good at, um, they were not good at, they were not good at avenging in general because, and to be honest, um, it, they, they got put together. Like, they, none of these guys have, have long standing history. Oh, but also, what, what makes it worse is that they're, they're um since this is this is post civil war, so they're literally they're not even like Avengers at this point. They're like like under or like probably a level above SWAT. Like if, if you can't call in SWAT, you call in Shield sanctioned heroes, and that's why you have you know a, a cleanup squad after. Yeah, you have the ground control squad because it's like, you know these the, the Avengers can't stop the way they want to. Like right. if they can't stop the villain, it's like okay, well then pull back and we'll find someone that can. But so I understand that, like, yeah, that's a civil war thing to get into, but <laughs> right, right, yeah. So like now, like these guys, they're also kind of being trashed by their fellow heroes, you know, for heroes that didn't sign up for the registration act. They're looking at the mighty Avengers, kind of like strike breakers, you know, like wow, you guys, like you guys are willing to do this whole registration act thing and sell the rest of us out. So they're not all real happy, those Avengers, um, but they assemble on a city. To take the, on the city streets to take down a huge monster. Uh, scared of being caught, Eric does his best to get as far away as he can and gets the bright idea to loot the area in the meantime. 
While doing this, he bumped into senior citizen slash cat burglar, the Black Fox, who is making off with his stealings. He attacks O'Grady, who manages to knock out the old man and steal his haul, which includes priceless jewels. He takes his backpack and his wallet as well and goes to leave, but hears a small girl calling for help under the debris. Using his suit, Eric shrinks down and is able to free the child. His heroic moment is celebrated by onlookers, including Damage Control, who introduce themselves. How do you feel about the introduction of Black Fox, who who's, becomes quite the staple in the rest of the story? All right, man. Black Black Fox is a loyal to the bone motherfucker. He right. is loyal, loyal. My man, I'm, I'm, wait, this is we're in spoiler filled territory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bro, when he busted into S.H.I.E.L.D., like, hey, I got your back, don't worry, nobody gonna touch this guy, we're gonna get out of here right now, come on, man. And then Eric just goes, all right, I've never seen that man before, but his name is Black Fox, <laughs> he's like, there's a, There's a, um, what you call it, there's a a Simpsons character that's kind of like this, I don't know if you've ever seen the episode, but there's an episode where someone's stealing, some old man is stealing, like, all these jewels and stuff like that, and Homer tries to create, like, a neighborhood watch, and it's just this really old man who wears a black turtleneck and steals a bunch of stuff. It's the first person that I got reminded of when I saw this guy. But, yeah, Eric basically just, like, they, it's two criminals meeting, getting ready to loot, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like, the, it's like love at first sight eventually. Like, as the story continues, you see how they end up keep, uh, keep getting um, in each other's paths and stuff. Uh, so the leader of Damage Control introduces himself, um, Lenny Balinger, and he offers Eric a job. Black Fox comes to and goes to grab his book bag, but Eric makes a show in front of Damage Control, demanding that the looter and the criminal drop the bag as, um, as Eric reminds everyone that he's a superhero who just saved a little girl. So that was kind of messed up, right? <laughs> like, Black Fox is like, can I have my bag back? What do you mean, criminal? You're a looter. And I know because I just saved this little girl. Get out of here, looter. You shall not have this bag. And he's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, and oh, so, man. And so he leaves with no confrontation. Um, Lenny gives Eric a card and asks him to consider the offer. Consider the job. But later, Eric finds a shady pawn shop and makes uh, 10K off of Black Fox's Hall of Jewels. He also purchases a fake ID. So he can go work with damage control and not have to be on the run uh, from S.H.I.E.L.D. Which makes sense because you can't... <laughs> he can't quit a job in S.H.I.E.L.D. or be running from S.H.I.E.L.D. and then just join damage control. That Things don't work that way. So later... Uh, so yeah, he purchases that fake ID. And as the newly created Derek Sullivan... Derek. Uh, he goes to damage control headquarters to apply for their search and rescue division. Speaking to the front desk lady, he's able to find out that one of the damage control workers he saw when he was being recruited, a cute girl named Abigail, is upstairs and he goes to go hit on her. How do you feel about this little interaction between this first interaction between Abigail and Eric O'Grady? Oh, where she could totally tell his bullshit from a mile away. <laughs> right. Like he, he couldn't even lie. He kept trying to lie. And he, she was like, yeah, sure. Uh, a, a, a good guy with a bad guy name. Uh, a mantis with an ant outfit. You know, isn't mantis supposed to be green? What's with the red? Like, you're just a red. What do you mean? You, mean you, what do you mean you didn't pick the color? I thought you said you built it. <laughs> oh, that was great. That was great. What do you mean you didn't pick the color? 
So this is gonna be this is gonna be a, a conversation in general that I think needs to be had for this uh, this episode. I felt very Ramona Knives with this. I felt very. Why does Eric get to have Abigail if he's doing and, what he's doing to Victoria? Oh yeah, yep, 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 yep. You're one hundred percent. And, and it's not am fair. I supposed to feel that way? What, do you think yeah, that you are supposed to feel that way. You're supposed to understand that life isn't fair, and that sometimes the good guys win. But you shouldn't allow that to make – I mean sometimes the bad guys win and you shouldn't allow yourself to stoop to the lengths of a bad guy just because you see that they win. Because in reality, good guys win too. It's just they don't get the, the, the in-the-spotlight win. They don't brag. Good like guys how many take times their wins has, and they just walk away. How many times has, has uh, Steve won? Has, how many times has old Captain America won? And how many times has he used that to go into a bar and pick up chicks? Yeah, did you know I saved the world from Hydra twice? Like Another thing is good – I mean, I may sound kind of sanctimonious here, but good people's wins are longer. They have longer goals. A bad oh, person's course. win may be just to sleep with someone tonight. A good person's win is to find their soulmate. A wife. Yeah, yes, exactly. So that, those exactly. are two different. Those are two different things. So Eric is winning the small battles here and there, but he's also losing <laughs> the small battles here and there. You know. Um, he just thinks if he can run fast enough from his old life, from Eric O'Grady, from Shield, he could just be Derek Sullivan, who flirts with Abigail and works for Damage Control. Like that's just what it is. Um, she sees right through his lies, particularly the one about building the super suit and his moniker of the Slaying Mantis, but decides to give him a chance. She that had me dying because it was even She Hulk made a mention of that. He's like, "I'm here to help, She Hulk." She's like, what's your name? He's like, Slang Mantis. He's like, oh, oh, really? A bad – no, what was it? He tried to help and yeah. she thought he was a bad guy. Right. And then he said his name and he's like, yeah, a good guy named Slaying Mantis. You know, like, give me a break. Right. Like, it's hilarious. She agrees to go on a date so long as he starts to be honest and the two go out to eat and enjoy each other's company. When she steals the tip Eric puts down for the waitress, he sees kind of a kindred spirit in her <laughs> and falls in love for, in, with Abby. Do you think that's a fair Which assessment? Is hilarious. Um, I think it's a fair assessment, but I also think it's one that's very toxic and doesn't allow much room for rewards. I'm, like, putting, I'm putting you on the spot in front of the thousands of listeners of this podcast. How? You, where do you sit on tipping? Where do I sit on tipping? Yeah. Oh, you're really gonna put me on here in front of All everybody? Right. You know, there's some I, there's some food workers I, on this that listen to this. I understand that corporations are pieces of shit and that wait, waiters and waitresses don't make enough. Like, I'm not going to sit here like Steve Buscemi and uh, Reservoir Dogs and say, listen, if they don't want to, they don't like their pay, they can fucking quit. Uh, the world is terrible. Listen, he was a criminal. He got his money by robbing jewelry stores. You know, most of us actually have to work a nine to five. But as right. far as like mandatory tipping, I think mandatory tipping is bad because you're not. You're saying this one pe- group of people is deserving enough, enough for a tip, but this other group of people aren't. You know, people in, people in McDonald's do the same exact thing as people in restaurants. And even now with those kiosks, those self-ordering kiosks, yeah. you have people in the back of McDonald's that bring your food to your table. It's happened to me. Right. It's literally – I've literally ordered from the kiosk, grabbed the number, and sat down, and next thing I know, a McDonald's worker is bringing me my food. That's literally dine and serve. Right. But I'm not giving him a $5 tip. But if I do that at a Denny's, I have to give that person a five dollar tip. It's tipping shouldn't be mandatory. It should go towards the the job you do. But also, people do need to live, and I'm not selfish. If I have the money, I'm gonna give you something. I'll definitely give you something over twelve percent if I don't care about my money. 
No, I totally get it. And one of the other things is that, you know, if tipping be if tipping is kind of sort of the norm now, but you know, if we allow it to continue to be the norm, then the responsibility of giving money to the workers to All right, like perfect wage. example for that. I was in construction, right? Right. I worked construction four years. Mm-hmm. In four years, ask me how many times a customer tipped me. None. Once. Oh, once. <laughs> and and I will tell you straight up, when that customer tipped me. I almost had to refuse it because I felt like my job isn't a tipping job. You, you right. shouldn't be giving me extra money for literally doing my job. But there was this one time, me and two other coworkers, we went, we did some bricklaying, and this lady gave us each 20 bucks. But imagine if when you signed up for construction, they were like, all right, well, you know, the, the, the baseline minimum wage is 15. We'll give you eight. And odds are, somewhere in between your days, someone will tip you enough to cover the rest. That is where I think it goes wrong. When the restaurant hires people and then assumes that the customers are going to cover the price to for them to work. 100%. 100%. All right. And you know what the thing is? Tipping is not even that much when it's at certain places. Like, I've worked at delis before. Right. I used to get. I, I used to walk home with tips. Right. At the end of at the end of one man at the end at the end of the manager's shift, he would take the tip jar, and he would split it out, three four ways of everybody that was on shift that day. I right. was only walking away with literally ten eleven bucks every day. But that extra ten eleven bucks helped me get you know something to drink, helped me get some cigarettes, helped me you know. So I understand that tipping you may not be living off of it, but it still makes it a little bit easier for pocket change. There's some way, but there's some there, people that legitimately have to live off it, like you were saying. You know, there's no, yeah, there's some people that like. That's what I'm saying. Like that their jobs. Trips. I feel like that's a failure of their job. Like if I can't pay you a living wage, I can't tell you that. Hopefully, someone else is going to compensate you throughout the day. You know, like I, hey Dan, I want you to do these podcasts for me. But um, I'll pay you depending on how much money we make on merch. Like, yeah, exactly. That's not, you know, exactly. You're, I'm, I'm expecting routine and universal work, but I can't give universal pay. That's not fair. <laughs> no, it, it's not fair tip, at all. Tip those you feel deserve to be tipped. Don't feel pressured too. But also, also we've got to come up with something weird... to sort of... You know, it was a weird stance for Eric to take, in, in my opinion, to be honest with you. Like, this is the guy that literally has a superhero suit to jump into women's purses and steal their money. He doesn't know if the women's money that he's stealing when he jumps into those purses are waitresses living off of those tips. So it is a weird stance to take to try to impress a girl. Like, yeah, I have some sort of moral high. I think, no, I think don't. that's, but I think that's exactly what it is. I think he was posturing in front of Abigail. And I also think that had he not literally had fresh $10,000 in his wallet, he wouldn't have done oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, he didn't say, Dude, <laughs> yeah. That's what he did. He, he's like, he's like ah, I can, I, I, can, I can do it. Yeah, yeah, I can. I can do this. If, if if that was Eric O'Grady's last five or ten dollars, he wouldn't have done it. Oh no! No, no way! No I would totally believe he wasn't doing that. No. In no way. Um, he probably would have left her left fifty cents. Like, yeah, that's all I got for her. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, using the ten k he got from the pawn shop owner, Eric rents and furnishes a new apartment. Abby, who doesn't like to be called Abby, but I'm be calling her Abby. Um, she also has feelings for Eric. I suggest breaking in the new couch before they hear a loud noise and realize that She-Hulk is battling Mr. Hyde not too far away. To keep up the appearances of Hero, Eric leaves to investigate. 
He introduces himself to She-Hulk, but realizes that he's in over his own head and stuck between two beings with super strength. After being knocked around a bit, he decides to leave the fight altogether. When he gets back home, he advises Abby to take him to the hospital, where they treat him for several internal injuries, including broken ribs. As he lays there at night, Black Fox shows up, having broken into his hospital room. He points a gun in O'Grady's face and demands his jewels back. Eric says he sold them to a pawn shop for $10,000, which infuriates Black Fox, who says they were worth $100,000 at the very least. Which goes to show you, I mean, when Eric first went to the pawn shop owner, uh, I think the pawn shop owner originally offered him $5,000. And then literally, like, seconds later, was like, no, 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 I'll give you ten. And any time you offer to sell something and the person is upping the price in the, on their own, then it's to say that it's not that's not what it should be paid for. <laughs> odds are. Um, and when you go to dodgy pawn shops, odds are they're going to try to take you for what you're worth because odds are you're going to be selling something that you probably don't own. Um, O'Grady pretended that those jewels and stuff were of his grandmother's, but they totally weren't. So um, Yeah, but, he said, but that pawn shop owner knew that. Right, and I think that's why he took him. That's why he took him for ten k. Because we're gonna do call the cops on the guy who took who you sold the stolen jewels from. Right, mm-hmm. he has he has the moral high ground. I'm a business owner. You came in here with these items. I gave you a price for them, and we sold them. What you how you got them? That's not on me. And what I do after them? That's not on me. Yeah, but it was so funny. Is that amount of money at once for someone like Eric O'Grady? He didn't. He probably believed that those jewels were worth ten thousand, or if they, even if they were worth more. He probably didn't care because of that single amount of money, like you say, with the small victories. Right. 100%. And, you know, that he lost his shield job, seemingly. That was the only thing paying his bills. So now he has um, at least some money in his pocket and a new job, which is really, really interesting. Can you imagine being paid to clean up after superheroes? Like, Oh, yeah. I guess we should explain what Damage Control is. Damage Control is an organization in Marvel Comics that cleans up after the messes of these big fights, like the fight in New York. As a matter of fact, if you watch Spider-Man Homecoming, Damage Control is a big part of that plot because they are contracted by Tony Stark to clean up the Battle of New York. Wow, they made Damage um, Control a bad guy in that movie? Well, they're not bad. They're just... They were either like an evil... They were a shady corporation, though. I don't think they were shady. I just think they were... They got the contract, right? They got the government contract, and um, it, it'd be like if you, if I don't know, let's say, let's say you were you wanted to paint a big ass mural, you know, on 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 the streets like that has been happening lately, and you go and you plan it out and you get the paint and all that other kind of stuff, but then New York contracts somebody to do it. That person's not necessarily the bad guy, right? You know what the thing is? I guess it's the way she was introduced in that movie. She's literally introduced with like you know the white and black woman suit, like the pants yeah, suit yeah. and blazer. She has the she has like the Elizabeth shoe look and right. the way she can't. I guess she was very matter of fact. Yeah, I, I agree. She was very and, matter of fact. Yeah, but that's what someone boss, that was a construction you know? worker. It's like I can feel Michael Keaton's pain on that moment where it's like yeah, he's the this little is actually going to be a big job for us. Like, yeah, he's the little that? man. You've worked that. You've worked that job. He was the little yeah. man. You know, you worked that that. The, those jobs literally live and die on the individual contracts that you can get. The individual definitely, jobs definitely, that you can go definitely. from 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 place to place. Meanwhile, sometimes when these government contracts are concerned, they're these lavish, these you know really um, extensive contracts where you just show up, kind of shrug, you know. <laughs> uh, these these bigger contracts are a godsend to construction workers, but to the little guy who may not be able to get one because he's not in an organization. Yeah, I can totally see how they're the bad guys in this. 
Um, but what an interesting idea that there would be an organization that does this, that cleans up and, you know. It's so crazy because now that I actually have a, a leg to stand, like oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Now that I have a source material, yeah, it's like it makes Spider-Man Homecoming a little bit more cooler to me. Yeah, knowing that I always knew about damage control, but I never really knew about damage control. It's like matching a face to a name when you first see it, or a, yeah, a voice to a name. It's like, oh wow, it's that's perfect. That's what that is. <laughs> okay, like finding out Allison Brie was Diane Nguyen. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, it connects. Perfect. It connects so many damn dots. Uh, so we are, where are we at? So, oh yeah, Mr. Fox, Mr. Fox, no, yeah, Mr. Fox is pointing the gun at his face, wants the jewels, uh, he's pissed off because they're worth 100k instead of 10k. So Eric not wanting to be shot, because this old man has walked into his hospital bed with a gun, um, he decides that he has a plan to get Fox's 100k. An hour later, Eric, as Ant-Man, sneaks into the pawn shop and whispers in his owner's ear that he is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who from miles away has a weapon pointed at him that can melt his brain. The owner, not knowing where the sound is coming from, believes the grift and hands over his profits for the jewel sale, $150,000, and places the money outside. Eric gives the money to Black Fox and settles for a 15% finder's fee after trying to get 30%. Uh, O'Grady manages to sneak back into his hospital room, and after a few hours, Abby is in there in full lingerie, having snuck in as well. She oh, I di- love that line. Not again, or like oh, yeah. now, or something like that. <laughs> she, like, oh, this happens often, huh? She disrobes and confesses her love for Eric as the comic closes. I thought that was a, a pretty cool issue. It's him getting in with damage Am control. Am I a bad person for not wanting him to have a, a romantic lead in this story? I'm mad at how he treated Abigail, to be honest. I'm mad at Abigail in general. Uh, you know, her that character. What an odd characterization to put in a comic book. The kind of woman that would sleep with a man's friend behind his back. Uh, and then sleep with that man when that friend dies at his grave, or seemingly. Yeah, Victoria uh, was definitely not the... There's a, she's a problematic character, but again, I don't want to judge because people go through all kinds of journeys. But when she's written by a man, I, I have to wonder what she's there for. What yes. is she there to do? Because all characters are supposed to do basically. something. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't she has no agency outside of Chris or Eric. You know, exactly. like there's no there's no You don't even know her life. You know nothing about her life. You, no. You no. know more about Abigail's life than you know about I know Victoria. more about this... Victoria's sex life than I know about regular Victoria. Oh god. That's where we're oh, at god. right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, basically. Um while taking on Dragon Man during a mission, the damage control team of Eric O'Grady, the Slaying Mantis, um, Frank Johnson, a.k.a. Monstro, and Abigail Dunton, a.k.a. Visioneer, managed to defeat him. It is then that Abby reveals that she notices every time S.H.I.E.L.D. shows up to apprehend the villain, Eric disappears. He brushes it off and he reminds her, and she reminds him of their date on Thursday where she has a special surprise for him back at her place. What do you think this was? Oh, man, listen, I've seen Dude, Where's My Car? I know special surprise is not code for coitus, especially <laughs> since they already had it. Special surprise is literally, I have something that I don't know if you're going to like, but I hope that you like because I want to believe you're the right person. Special surprise. Oh, so you already kind of had an inkling? I, I knew that something was going down, but I didn't know to the level of what. I just assumed, like, she, she knew something about him. A shoe's about to drop, yeah. 
yeah, like I figured like the like a big reveal was about to drop. Like, so I've been doing some research on you. I actually know somebody in the DMV. I'm doing facial recognitions. Right, and, right, right. You're not who you, you say know, you are. Yeah. You know, and I just want you to be honest with me. If you just if you just tell me, I can tell I can help you. Like stuff like that. The whole like I love all she you had to the, do. All she had to do though is take a piece of paper, put you don't belong here, and sneak, put it underneath her his uh, door. You know. That's oh it. my God! And then, well, and then, I mean, then wouldn't he just do that himself? Wouldn't it have just been him manifesting it? It could be. It could be. You got you manifest the good and the bad in your life, people. There's a point to it. Uh, pay attention. You got to uh, keep it sleazy. <laughs> you got to keep it sleazy. Just like Eric, who keeps it sleazy. sleazy he de- he definitely. No, he definitely keeps it sleazy. Uh, but but back at his apartment, Eric is surprised to see his old chum. Because I think that's the best way to describe him. His old chum, best black fox, has broken in. This uh, was the funniest part of this entire. But he, but he humbles the the uh, uh, veteran by playing Nintendo Wii with him. That was, which was but great. The whole thing was so funny. It was the way the buildup was. It was like you know you're too old to be wanting to do these kinds of things. And then the next panel, because I'm reading this on my phone. Yeah. So since I'm I'm on um, Read Comics uh, Two or Read Comics Online, yeah. you scroll up. So right. I actually didn't spoil myself by getting the whole page in one screen so i did be, manage to scroll up and see like a page turn i basically turned the page and he's playing the Wii. like they're having mad fun playing like i'm, I'm, I'm going to assume Wii tennis right and i just started cracking and up. page turn like, oh on you know that's some that's some real stuff right there page turning can't spoil it sometimes if it opens no, up yeah. if it opens up at the wrong point in time like if you open just scroll through a book you might spoil the whole thing for yourself that's why a lot of the time that was that was actually the original reason why I didn't want to read comics on my phone originally, because it's like oh every time I go read a comic I'm getting spoiled because it's literally the page turner is on the same screen. Yeah, like this is supposed to be a page. I'm supposed to turn the page and see this reveal, not glance over at my peripherals and be like oh well I guess that's happening. Mm-mm-mm. Sometimes comics on your phone could be worse spoilers than you know uh, movies and shit like people spoiling movies for you. Right. But like to, to to turn and see them in complete adulation, so much joy oh, on their faces, smile on the faces, yo, it was Playing so great. Uh, he, they, he just loves it. That they're now friends now. That's what they do. They hang out and they play Wii. On the shield helicarrier, Tony Stark charges Mitch with finding the Ant Man suit. Mitch agrees to locate it and bumps into Veronica King, Chris's old girlfriend and ex, uh, Eric's old mess around. She asks questions. She asks questions about O'Grady but doesn't confess to why. She just crosses her arms over her stomach. The next day at work, Eric bumps into Monstro who confesses that he has to quit because he can't register with the registration act or bad people will come for him and the people that he cares about. So I did some research on Mr. Monstro. I think Frank Johnson is his name and they had a they had a comic um, that had a bunch of different smaller stories in it and one of them was about Monstro who um I think he like he had gotten powers and accidentally there was a situation where his where his daughter died and so he became like a weird nameless firefighter that would save people but not take credit. Oh yeah, his whole backstory was so sad honestly. And then they and they allude to that in this story. They you know, they bring up like oh, you know, I used to be a firefighter, yada all that stuff. So yeah, he but is But I kept saving too many people and I kept getting they kept wanting a hero shot and all that. Yeah, that's in that's in that story. Um, so I think he's a pretty cool character. Like he obviously, he's trying to do the best he can, but he knows that his past is flawed where Eric is not really, he's not in this to save anyone really, you know, he's in this because it's a gig that literally fell in his lap. 
Um, and has a, a there's a cute girl that works there as well. It pays well, and there's a cute girl. Well, that was such a real conversation that they had with each other, where he's like, "Listen, man, you know, I've I've, I've done some bad things, but like, I'm not a bad person. It's like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna continue to be friends with you, I need to know that you're also not a bad guy." And it's like, damn, yeah, like this, like this dude is so trusting. He's so nice that he fucking he didn't know that if Eric was a guy or a bad guy, and just by having to say. I just need to know, are you a good guy or a bad guy? That means he already kind of knew the answer. He was just hoping to be proved wrong. And it also shows you this major difference in mind states, like in, 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 in emotional growth, you know? Like, he has the transparency that Eric doesn't. And even in that moment, Eric has an opportunity to confess, you know, and possibly make things right. But why? Things are going right the way he it, it is right now, all the lying. <laughs> so he feels safer in his lies than he does in his truth. And he allows that to paint his relationships with people like Monstro and um, Abigail. But at least in this instance, Eric decides that the best idea for him would be to get a fake ID. And that solves a lot of these, those issues. Yeah. Um, Thursday night. Is here and with it comes Eric and Abby's date. They go to a fancy restaurant, they watch an opera show, and she brings him back to her place for the first time to show him the surprise. As they get to her place, a oh, woman man. steps out from inside and Abby thanks her. When Ari when Eric asks who that is. Uh, I already knew what ha- what was going down <laughs> Abby, the second I knew it. Abby says it's someone watching her house while she's gone. That doesn't make much you know, sense. Yeah, she doesn't <laughs> and, have to say it like and, that. And Eric was also like, she's watching your house. <laughs> like, what? But Among is, other things. But it is revealed that that woman was actually a babysitter. Because Abby goes on to reveal that she has a small son. She had just been waiting for Beautiful the right looking boy time too. to such tell a, Eric. Such a sweet looking boy. That was so sad. Yeah, so he, she's opening up her heart. This is the, you know, they've been, they went on a couple of dates, but now she can finally, she finally feels like it's time to let her into the rest of her life. Uh, remember that I said that. <laughs> um, characteristically, can't say it's uncharacteristically, characteristically, Eric flips out, screaming so loud about being lied to that the actual child wakes up. I was, uh, that, this, reading this, I was getting uncomfortable. I was getting uncomfortable. I was saying, "Yo, Eric, chill." Eric, that is, chill, but that is that is a chill. legit response to to the news presented. I've seen people, you know, flip out Bro, over this. Stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't get. I mean, I get that people are like, "Oh, but you lied to me." Okay, fine, but there's also a difference between like lying to hurt somebody and lying to protect literally a child. Like, you know, I don't know if you're the right guy for me. I'm not going to just bring home any Joe Schmo to meet my son. That's yeah. no That's the, no, but I'm th- you're, you're 100% right. But what I, what I was going to say is that you get stuck in that middle ground, right? Where you yeah. say, um, I need to know that you're not a piece of shit human being before I introduce you to the literal future of my, of my name and my generation. You know what I'm saying? I get that. But the, the other side of that is to say, but once you do that, you don't allow me the freedom of choosing whether or not I want to be with somebody who has a child. Right? Because if, yes. if, if I'm yes. dating you for six months and you've managed to keep it a secret and then you spring it on me, I, I you know, the court no, of public opinion right. will see but me as wrong. They, but how long were they dating? For what, what was this? Two, three? Let's, let's just go for the sake of argument that they were dating three weeks and had four dates. Like, you know, two dates in one week and then sporadically every other week was a new date. 
within yeah. a month of knowing somebody, I think I have a right to know. Like, yeah, I get Eric's side. I think I would have a right to know. But also, it's still a month in, so it's still pretty early. Right. You know, a few, a few, literally, th- what we've seen, we have to go from what we've seen in the books to, what, two, three dates? It yeah. is not grounds for, I'm going to tell you I have a kid. But, but she tried but somebody, to do it but, but the thing is, some people would argue that relation, um, date number one is grounds for all honesty. That is true. You know what, Dan? Yeah. You know, yeah. I think I I don't think there's a right or wrong because I don't have a child. I don't. I I can't. Neither do I. I can't I quantify the evaluation process. Like <laughs> you know, the evaluation process of dating of like, well, this person deserves to see them, but this person doesn't, and you wouldn't want to bring a lot of weird people around your children. I completely get that. What I think, so you know how a lot of this like it puts you in a position. It, it kind of act like good media does, it asks you what you would do or how do you feel, who do you side with. And I think ultimately, while some of the tactics that Abby used may be seen as a betrayal, right? The withholding of truth or whatever you want to call it. I actually think that the reason why this is so tasteless, you know, uh, him screaming and all that other kind of stuff is that he has lies too. Oh, 100%. So that's the biggest thing. There's there's parts of his life he still hasn't opened up about. So how like can he be name. so right? That's like what I'm saying. His literal, real so name. or or you know when is he gonna tell her about Abigail and and that and that grave site? You understand? Like those no, things you, are things. You keep saying Abigail. You oh, like uh, Victoria, Abigail? Victoria. I you think really uh, don't like Victoria. I you think, don't even want to spell her name. I I think um of uh, Abby Abby from Swamp Thing. Uh, Abby. see, I think of Abigail from Haunting. Ah, I can see that. Um, but yeah, so that's the bigger thing. It's like, you're acting holier than thou. Oh my God, you betrayed me. You lied to me. You didn't give me the real story from the day one. Well, Mr. Eric, trust. well, Mr. Eric, you did the same thing. You did the exact same thing. You didn't, you and didn't I think give it's her. Even, I think it's even worse. Cause it's not like, you know, she, she also has a, a secret identity. So she could have lied and made up a whole other name, but no, she said, Oh, my name's Abigail. This, you know, I, this is what I do. Like she was, she actually withheld information about a kid. But she was still very honest about so, everything else she's done. Well, the, the, the funny thing, I guess not the funny thing, the tragically ironic thing about all of this is that ultimately, if they were to date as a kind of, that's kind of the conclusion that was kind of drawn from the beginning, from the ending of this comic, then guess what, Dan? She, he's going to have to talk to her about Victoria, Dan. And he's going to have to tell her that he has a kid. The same way that she did. No, he doesn't. He doesn't know yet. Does but, but he doesn't know yet. But he's gonna have to say he, that. To he her eventually, he knows. Yeah. He knows by the time he asks her to wait for him. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So yes, yes, yes. so when 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 does Mr. O'Grady think is the appropriate time to bring up him uh, and Victoria's you know what the whole child? Thing about it is, I'm gonna have to take his side only on this one specific instance because he is doing okay. <laughs> he said, "I'm going to pay everything." I will pay any alimony. I'll pay child support. I will take. I, I will take care of everything. You need the money, just let me know. I will continue to send you checks for that kid and for you. So he's taking the responsibility of paying for the damages that he caused, but he still doesn't want to be in that kid's life because he thinks he's better. That the kid will be better off without him. So really, he could totally forget that he even has a kid. And honestly, it's just a bill. Oh yeah, I'm in debt for the rest of my life. Uh, I mean, oh, people I people do that shit. People do that shit for real. No, People I, honestly, have I believe children it. and don't, you know, they put they, they pay what they got to pay. But I think that he offered to do all, those, all that stuff so that 
he wouldn't seem like a deadbeat. But I think a deadbeat comes in various forms. No, a, de- a deadbeat does come in various forms. I, I don't care. It, like, me personally, I don't care if you paid child support for 18 years and anything my mom needed, you were the one to send checks. Where, no, I where, never who saw you. me how to shave, yeah. I never saw you. And you're, and you're raising some other woman's son. Oh, God, yeah, basically. You understand what I'm saying? Like he's, you're, he's literally going to be stepdad to another You got to kid. pick, you he picked your, you, you picked a life instead of the life that you literally, you literally created for yourself. You created a life for yourself and said, nah, I'd rather that over there. And then just left, <laughs> just left it, <laughs> left your dead friend, left the girl you got impregnated, left the job that you sort of kind of, you know, went behind the back and stole some stuff from. So Eric, yeah, he's a little bit irredeemable, just a bit. Well, I think that was always the purpose. Yeah, totally. Definitely always the purpose to be irredeemable. But I mean, like, I, all right. I, I saw that this was in a, a Parks and Recs group page that I saw. Somebody made a comment because it was literally a hate Leslie train thread. But someone said, and it made so much sense. How the hell can you watch anything when you automatically know you hate the main character? Like, who the show or movie is about? You hate that person. You hate that character. How can you sit through something like that? So it's like, how how can I sit through this book knowing that there is nothing really good about Eric O'Grady? And I think Rob did it by giving us these moments of like, I, I, I want to say goodness, but at what cost, you know? Right. He's going to pay alimony for, a kid, for the kid that he has, but the cost is he's not going to be in the life. Well, it, it's, it's a trade, isn't it? I'll do this stuff as so long as you never bring up this responsibility. It's, comprom- it's, it's, it's compromises. <laughs> it's terrible compromises. It could, oh. it's, it's self-serving compromises. That's why. The compromise, that's, he's making it seem like he's doing something, but ultimately both choices help him. You know? Then that's, that's what makes him selfish. So. And it makes him irredeemable. I don't, I don't, I don't personally don't care. He is, the, he is irredeemable. Because at the end of the day, I don't buy that him trying to change and be a better person isn't some sort of moral dessert. This is not even the worst conversation he has with a female in this volume. Oh no. <laughs> so so let's get let's let's get on there. Uh so yeah, she he yells at her that they are through and she kicks him out of the place covered in tears and you know, we have sisters. It's it's heartbreaking to see a, a man verbally abuse a woman, especially when the her biggest crime right now was just not telling him that she had a child, which again, understandable. And I, and I'm going to tell you straight up that what if this happens in in my life, you know? Right. Yeah. So I, I I don't want I I have I have to have empathy. We have to have empathy, and you know who doesn't have empathy? My man Eric doesn't have empathy. Well, the thing is, the thing about empathy, right? Some of that empathy is about putting yourself in in other people's shoes, right? Um, it's to say, well, you know. Let me let me try to be in your shoes and let me see the situation from where you're seeing it at. So maybe I can uh, grow some appreciation for your point of view. But the situation that he's getting mad about, he doesn't need to be put on anyone else's shoes for because he's in that situation. He's in the same situation. You know what I'm saying? It's not even oh, like yeah. he, it's not even like he has to. Well, you know what? I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can have a child and not want other people to know about it. What do you mean? <laughs> you're doing the same thing. He's just, but he's not thinking. He's just thinking only for himself. And that's what ends up having him have that conversation with Monstro over what makes a good person. Um, and how Monstro's like, I need to know that you're a good person. And he spends that night not playing Wii with Black Fox, who's play, who plays it by himself. 
um, but instead crying over a picture of him and Abigail, which I thought that was pretty big. We had never seen him get emotional. The so first time any, he got emotional, yeah, so was, any emotional was when Chris died. It was a little bit emotional, but you know. yeah, that was basically it. Yeah, as Abigail and her son try her. Try, oh, where did I go? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. No, I missed the whole paragraph. I was like, wait a minute. So, we get a tie-in. We get our first uh, Marvel crossover tie-in. For those who don't know what that is, uh, major comic book companies do these massive crossover events. Think Crisis on Infinite Earths, Flashpoint, um, Civil War. And what ends up up happening is, uh, as these events go on, your normal comic is also going on alongside it. And they get affected by the big story that's happening uh, uh, universe-wide. So Marvel universe-wide. So while this comic is coming out, the Marvel Universe crossover event World War Hulk is also coming out. That's where Hulk comes back to Earth and says, Yo, I'm no, I, I want Stark. Well, you want Stark, uh, yeah. Strange, and Thor or something? Yeah. Well, long story short, the Illuminati of Marvel, the smartest members of Marvel, uh, Black Panther, Professor X, Tony Stark, Reed Black Richards, Black Bolt, Black Bolt, um, Doctor Strange, they all decide that the Hulk is too much trouble than he's worth and that he has the cap- capability of destroying, you know, people and the world. So they send him on a ship to a remote area where he can kind of like just frolic. Like how when you send a dog to a farm, um, Accidentally, the ship gets knocked off course, lands on Sakaar, which you might remember from yeah. Thor Ragnarok. Well, I've, seen, I've, I've also seen Planet Hulk. I okay. want to read World War Hulk, and I want to read Planet Hulk, too, if that was a comic title. like I want to I wanna read more of it. So he ends up being enslaved. He becomes the champion of the people. Uh, he breaks the dictatorship down on Sakaar. He literally becomes like a shining hope for the people. He marries uh, a woman who becomes his wife, and she becomes pregnant with his child. And then the ship that he arrives on explodes, killing the wife. Um, he believes that the ship exploded because of a failsafe that the Illuminati placed on the ship. Which then leads him to believe that he was always meant to die on this mission. Which then wow. leads him to believe, oh, you mother think that y'all yeah, yeah, got this? I So with the liberated members of the slave camp that he freed... He flies back to Earth on a warpath to kill all of the Illuminati. Dude, basically. this is th- this scene, and I I can't really say too how, too much of that it was a heavy scene for me because I don't have enough like um background with him. Right. But this was something straight out of Old Man Logan for me, where you just see Hulk with his big ass hand holding Black Bolt by the head. What was it? Dead Black Bolt's body. What? Yeah. By the head, he's like, I he's I will do yeah. this to everybody else. Like. Bring it, oh, yeah. bro! And that's how he announces his, his. That's how he announces his, like, journey to Earth and his vendetta because he attacks Black Bolt because Black Bolt's on the moon, so the moon's before Earth. So he gets oh, there shit. first. That's how he got Black, Black Bolt. Yeah, because the so humans live on the moon. moon yeah, Black that's one hundred percent what it is. Brought him to Earth. Yeah. No, no, no. He he went to he went to the moon, beat up Black Bolt, took a selfie. Like you know what I'm saying? Like took a took a hologram oh. selfie and was like, "I'm coming to Earth." <laughs> You know, like he went on Facebook Live. He was like, oh, by the way, you know him, right? He's a king and he has the power to scream and kill people. Well, I just beat his ass. So the Illuminati better meet me in like Times Square and New York better be evacuated or I'm coming through and it's all over. 
I mean, he said in 24 hours, if New York's not evacuated, well, <laughs> I'm sorry then. Yeah, because he's coming. But, he's coming to get his pound of flesh. Um, so he, while all this is happening, there's there's still trouble in paradise because Eric and um, Eric, or should we say Derek? Uh, has been giving Abby kind of attitude, which is weird because like, you think it would be the other way around, right? You think she'd be giving disgusting. him disgusting. You think Dis- she'd he be giving so him. disgusting? <laughs> Such <laughs> a piece of shit. No, I'm sorry. That, really? that was you literally didn't, you a, didn't like how he was, was literally a piece of shit move. He was yo, hey, what's going on with you and Abigail lately? Like, what was that monstro accident? Like, yeah. what, what's going on? And he was just like brushing it off, like chicks crazy. Like <laughs> she's crazy, Tom bro. Haverford. He was pulling Tom Haverford. Right. <laughs> oh, that shit pissed me off because you're right. It should be the other way around. He should be the one that's like, you know, like they're trying to walk on eggshells around her and she should be the one calling him a dick. But she's like, you know, trying to be nice and she's trying to like, she's trying to break through that hard outer shell. Even if she you really try to explain to... it though, right? Like it, it would be obvious who's the, who's in the wrong. Because if you try to like, let, let's say Monstro asked Abby and Abby would be like, oh yeah, of course I'm mad at him. You know, I, I was really falling for him. I try to open up this part of my life to him and he fucking flipped out. And then Monstro and would be like. this coming from a guy that lost his kid. So right. And so like, Monstro hey, would be like, yeah, that, that's fucked up. I get it. But if he asked Eric and Eric was like, can you believe she, he had, she had a, uh, a son? So I was like, I'm out of here. You know, like Monstro would be like, it's kind of fucked up, bro. Like he doesn't even win. He couldn't even tell his story because he can't win that way either. There's but not gonna be anyone sympathizing for him. Really got me was when he was when um she overheard him talking crap. Yeah. She straight up overheard yeah. him talking crap and she walked back to was like, excuse me, what? Listen, yeah. did you forget my powers? My powers is I can feel your emotions. I can feel that you're still in love with me. So what do you gotta say about that? Man was in the silent mode. And another thing about it is she admits that because um like she, she kept the kid quiet because she was waiting to see how serious Eric was. And like you just said, because she has like empathy focused powers, she was able to find out that Eric was in love with her. That Eric had and that's love for why her. she invited and that's him. That's why hundred percent. That's why she so what what Abby why the reason why Abby brings this information up is to confront him with information that she knows he has or information that she knows is true, which is Bro, you flipped out, but the only reason why I told you is because I know you love me. So now you're just going to give me a bunch of attitude, and I guess that's fine. But we both know you love me. Like, I know this, and you know this. It's like, I have powers that tell me this. It's right. so great. When she called him out like that, I was like, that's what I'm talking about, Abigail. Tell him. Right. Tell him. Like, yo, bro, remember, we slept together. If anything, my powers were... On, on, on like another level because of how connected we were when we slept together. I know your feelings. Man, Eric pisses me off. Another I thought thing that first is, volume pissed me off. Abby, this volume <laughs> really pissed me off. Abby has kind of been good on her bullshit detector. Like she's always kind of known when he's not being 100% um, truthful. So I like that part. I like that she keeps him honest for the most part. But again, I don't think somebody like him should be winning as often as he is. But we'll get there. Um, instead oh, of confirming we'll that he loves her, he could have just told her, yeah, you know what, you're right, I love you. Um, they're interrupted by that hologram that you were talking about of the Hulk, demanding the Illuminati face him. Abby's like, screw this. I only have, like, slight telepathic powers, so I am not fighting the Hulk. Uh, so she opts out of facing Banner, but Ant-Man and Monstro agree to help evacuate the area. Black- yeah, that was kind of, that was a kind of, I, I want to say it was noble of him. I, I don't want to, but I will say it, it was kind of... Like a self self sacrifice to me, for some reason, is always going to be like the redeeming quality of a person. Like you could be the biggest piece of crap in the world, 
but Yandu still gave his his oxygen tank to uh, uh, Chris Pratt. So you know, re- redeeming qualities. I always look at self sacrifice as like you were literally giving your life for the greater good. Yeah, you're redeemed. You may you're an asshole, but you're kind of redeemed. How? Um, why do you think that Eric agreed to this suicide mission? To be honest with you, yeah, he probably wanted it. He pro- he probably took that as like, all right, I can't even be who I am. I'm, I'm I lost the girl that I love. Like you know, things are just not going right for me. And now Hulk is literally in my backyard. Fuck it, man. What do I got to lose? What do I got to live for? Like basically, this is a man with nothing to lose. Eric, this whole this whole what are we on? Like at least like issue nine by now. Yeah. For nine issues, this man has shown that he has nothing to lose. I feel like also, I th- I think he thought it would be wrong or maybe kind of careless to leave Monster by himself. That too, which is also another self-sacrifice moment. Like, right. you know, Monstro has literally has nothing. Yeah. Monstro literally has nothing. And You're right. The, the, because of um Shield, uh, because of Shield doing the whole registration superhero act. Now he even needed a fake ID because his life on the run is going to once again catch up to him. Which is so another, which is another level. That's another level of like hiding because he was already hiding. Yeah. And now he has another level of hiding, which, you know, like you said, he doesn't have anything to his name. His life is damage control. It's saving people. It's um, evacuating people. As, as and that's what now. was his. That's why he wanted to do it. He wanted to do it because he's like, listen, you know, like. I might as well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die saving New York. And Eric, I feel like the people that Eric meets or Eric interacts with, that shapes his personality in a sense. Like he, like, like a chameleon, he adapts to that environment around him. So when he's by someone like Monstro, you get more touchy-feely moments with Eric. I believe that if Eric never met and got friends with Monstro, you wouldn't get that panel with him crying over Abigail. He would probably use the Ant-Man suit to go spy on another chick. Like, I'll find someone even more hotter than her. But (laughs) he didn't. He didn't go and try and find some chick more hotter than her. He didn't do anything illegal and criminal. He literally did what we all do at breakups, and he sulked. Right. And it's the people you meet that help change that. And that's why I'm glad that he did that. Changing the perspective, right? Because if you only ever hang out with the people you grew up with, if that's literally all you ever hang out with – you, that's all your growth is going to be. Um, I know you've done this because you've worked with in construction. So construction is a very diverse uh, uh, position in the sense that you'll meet people of all ages, of all backgrounds, of all you know work ethics. Um, and there's something about a 18 year old, you know, doing Freemasonry with a uh, 50 year old. You know, and yeah. ideas and wisdom gets passed. It's different when you, you know, you, all our lives, we don't, like, I never feel my age. I always Neither feel like I. I'm still playing this thing called life. So when I see somebody that's older than me and we have a conversation and their perspective is, like, they're working on bigger things, bigger missions, bigger goals, bigger, you know, healing, all that kind of stuff. It makes me want to run as fast as them. But if you only ever stay with people who run at your pace, then you ne- there's no inclination to ever want to change or get faster. I could faster just tell you straight up from personal experience. If it, if it wasn't because of you, bro, you trust me, man, I'd still be an Eric O'Grady. I will straight up, stay straight up honest. I'm, I don't want to sound as if I'm a hypocrite, but right. more as in I understand growth and change and sometimes people need to, you know, fucking change. Yeah. So, 
you know, like, but no, but it's like what you're saying, I wouldn't have changed. But it's like what you were saying, and like that quote from The Good Place, like, people change when they have unconditional love. Oh, yeah. Oh, my favorite quote. Yes, it's people only change when they when they receive external love and support. How can we hold it against people that don't? Right. I fucking love that quote. Right. Because it's true. How can you hold how can you hold me accountable if I never got hugged by my parents? I never got hugged by my parents. How are you going to hold me responsible for not hugging you? I don't know what a hug is. Right. There's, I've met people that are like that, that you give them like this, this compliment and they're like, well, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Eric didn't go that? back to his house when, when Chris died. So what that kind of informs us as to his family's relationship, right? His familiar relationship. Yeah. He stood at, yeah, sorry, he stood at Chris's, he stood at another Right. person's house. Right. He so, got a chance to be off for three months and he wasn't even staying with his own family. Or even when all this broke out with the whole um, Shield and Mitch and the stolen Atman suit, he could have went back home. But I'm assuming he doesn't have that kind of life. Which is why he is the way he is. You know? Um, Black Fox goes to O'Grady's apartment to make sure that he has evacuated. Uh, but when he finds him not home, he steals his Wii. That was so Why do you cute. think was, that happened? It was cute. It was cute. Was I'm it, not going to front. It was cute. I can understand if he thought he was dead, but he thought he, he knew people were no, evacuated. Well, one, he, Why one, he, he is it? a thief. Okay. He is a thief, so you, we can understand that. I mean, he literally breaks into his apartment. It's not like he has a spare key or not. He literally yeah. breaks into his apartment. He broke into his but hospital. <laughs> it's also, have you, have you ever given like like an older family member, like let's say an aunt who's in her 60s, like a Game Boy to play with? And right. then she's like, oh, what is this crap? I don't understand this. And then two seconds later, she's like, oh, my God, this is super fun. into it. Like, right. And then you ask, OK, can I get my game? Over? Ah, later, let me let me at least die first. Like you've ever experienced right. shit like that where an older person plays with our generation's technology and they bash it until they end up falling in love with it. Now they don't want to give it back. So that was kind of that was pretty cute. Was, yeah, he's, yeah he's, he's, just, he's probably also in a situation of like. This like he won't miss this with everything that's going on, <laughs> and if he is still alive, then we'll talk about it when when we, when we when we meet up. Right now, I don't know. I can't ask him if I can have it. Right? <laughs> I don't know where he's at, so I'm just gonna take it. And if there's an issue, we'll talk about it when literally the Hulk stops destroying the world. Um, as Abigail and her son try their hardest to evacuate, Eric uh gives a hand, lends a hand by knocking down someone who was pushing their way through him. Uh, him and Monstro talk about the impending confrontation with the Hulk when the Green Menace himself comes crashing through some skyscrapers as he battles Iron Man. Um, the debris hits and injures Monstro, so Ant-Man decides to take on the Hulk himself. He decides the best way to do this is internally, but once inside, he realizes the Hulk is as impenetrable inside as out. I thought that was kind of cool because, you know, a lot of people are always talking about the durability of Bruce Banner slash the Hulk. So, um, you know, they like the Ant-Man question literally from Thanos, which is like, if you if everyone thought that Thanos could be destroyed if Ant-Man went into his anal cavity and just grew back, I guess. Um, and so this situation, you have Ant-Man inside of the Hulk and he's trying to punch the inside of the Hulk. He's trying to use flamethrowers on the Hulk. Um, and none of it seems to be working just to show the actual durability of a monster that is the Hulk to show that you can't he's as tough inside as he is out. I think he says basically the man's stomach and stuff is made out of steel. Um, so I thought that was a pretty funny, um, pretty funny thing because I, I would think the same thing, too. If I had the ability to shrink that that small, I would go inside of somebody like the Hulk and think I could take him 
down from the inside out. Oh, but, he when he broke his hand punching his like stomach. You're right. That shit cracked me up. Like the Hulk He's is a- being knocked around by Iron Man. So inside the Hulk's body, Eric's being knocked around and he thinks that it's the effects of him attacking the Hulk from the inside. So like he like he like punches it and then the whole kind of falls, but he's falling because he's fighting Iron Man. And he's like, oh, I guess it's working, but none of it was working. It it was not, none of it was uh was doing anything. So he's like, screw this, and he leaves. He escapes through the Hulk's nose, and is on top of the Hulk when Hulk decides to spear Iron Man through a skyscraper. The impact seriously injures Eric, who passes out from the pain. When he awakens. He sees the burnt face of Mitch as S.H.I.E.L.D. has found and captured Eric O'Grady, who is now under arrest for his crimes over the series. Dun, dun, dun. What a that page was so That was crazy cliffhanger. What a last page. Um, Eric seems to have, you know, kind of gotten a hang of this good guy thing and in this moment chooses to try to do the right thing by trying to stop the Hulk. And if he never would have tried to stop the Hulk, odds are he would never have been captured by Mitch. And never been arrested for for everything. You know, Eric's not 100% clean in this situation. But at least at this moment, we start to root for him. And that's when the shoe falls. Which is just good writing, right? As soon as you start to sympathize for him, boom. Everything everything changes. Uh, so, with Eric O'Grady dead to rights, he just says, do your worst. And he brings up that he fought the Hulk and lived. So, like, what what's the worst that could, they could do? Speaking of which, the entire hospital isn't destroyed, so he connects the dots that World War Hulk is probably over. Mitch says it is, uh, it is, and by the way, Eric, you've been asleep for close to a month. It was it a month. I, I in my head, I could have sworn it was longer, but a month makes sense. Yeah, he says close to a month. Um, uh, yeah, he they basically says that, and then they re-sedate him, like they sedate him again. So he's sedated, and when he wakes up, he's tied to a chair in some hidden room. It is there that Mitch reveals that he has always had a violent life. This is where it kind of turns. I don't know if I don't know if this was always intended to be this narrative, but it's like like from killing his father to like um killing his father for beating his mother or injuring his sister's abusive boyfriends. Mitch kind of always liked to cause people pain. Um so I thought that that was a bit of a turn in the comic. I was like, "Oh, so he's kind of like He's a little bit of sadist. He's a little bit sadistic. Uh, oh, and we get Mitch's actual backstory. Right. Dude, whole, yo, holy shit. He, I did not – I mean, it's like it makes sense once it happened, but I didn't expect Mitch to be have the, the origin of an actual villain. He was a killer. Right. He liked to kill, and then he joined the police academy and the army to do it. Legally, he literally said, "If you're, you know, I did, I'm good at something, and I decided to to do it legally, or get paid for it, or some shit like that. Shit is crazy, right? And that's the whole thing. He's like, yeah, they basically gave me a license to do it. Like, I, I, he, he had a, a history of injuring people he thought were wrong, all right, and all of a sudden, you know, loving, he loves to kill, and Shield gives him a reason and a purpose. Eric begs for his life." saying that they were once friends. And Mitch reminds him that they are well past that. And they were also never friends, really. The only, no. Every, Eric needs to understand that, that some people only liked him because of, of others that tolerated him. 
Right, and there's that. Chris panel. was a big. Chris was a big thing about that. Right, there's a panel. I, I didn't. I didn't go over because it's a very very short series of panels where um, Mitch wakes up and sees himself in the mirror and punches the mirror. This is an everyday occurrence to him. Every day he lives with Eric O'Grady's mistake. Right, <laughs> every day his half of his face, his one eye, his one good eye, all of that is as a result of Eric O'Grady's actions. So we're again past the whole. We were once friends, you know, even though they weren't really friends. Um, he knocks O'Grady out and then dons the Ant-Man suit. And when we talk about freaking sadistic, he shrinks and climbs inside of Eric and causes enough eternal damage that Eric will eternally bleed until he dies. What the hell? That was crazy. He just went in there and just started punching things. Puncturing organs. Until he he's going to bleed out eternally. It's like, what the hell? Talk about freaking torture. Um, to top this off, he hopes to replicate the incident, Mitch's, that burned half his face. So he points his jetpack at O'Grady's face. Before he can mutilate him, Iron Man enters and takes him down. Tony speaks to Eric and tells him he will get him the medical help he needs to survive, but he is still going to be arrested. In a stroke of genius, Eric lays all the blame at Mitch's feet, saying it was Mitch's idea to steal the suit, and he and Chris were only trying to stop him this entire time. The reason Eric has been MIA is so Mitch couldn't get his hands on the suit. Before Iron Man can decide if he believes him, Black Fox shows up, armed with guns, and according to him, some bombs, demanding that they free his friend Eric. Instead, That's what cracked me up. Inst- yeah. Instead, Eric reveals that he knows Fox has no experience with explosives, effectively ratting him out. Fox, like, yeah, that man has no bombs. That Fox is tackled by S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and after vetting his story, Eric is placed back on surveillance duty as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. I literally can't believe... Uh, and he, he, Iron Man was even saying it that I have uh, voice soul recognitions that can detect anomalies in speech and shit. Like, right. he can tell when you're lying. Well, Mitch isn't dead, is he? Uh, no. Arrested. But I guess he's also not the one you might want to interrogate. I don't think he's the kind of person you would trust. I'm trying to think of who can speak that can counter Eric's story. Chris is dead. Eric, I mean, uh, Mitch may seem too insane to testify, so maybe it is all clear. You know, I don't know who else would be, who else knew enough to want to do that. They know that Mitch is crazy, and they know that Mitch, uh, you know, they saw how Mitch abused the Ant-Man suit. (laughs) He literally got in the Ant-Man suit and abused it by abusing Eric. So I don't think that his word is is, uh, good for much at the moment. But we are getting ready to wind down into the final issue of Irredeemable Ant-Man. You know, this story was cut short at 12 issues. Robert Kirkman went to great lengths to talk about how horrible he felt working at Marvel. Were you able to read that article? Uh, no, but I'm going to have to. Yeah, he just he just felt in- extremely handcuffed. And it, it, that felt weird to him because he's not a... He's a battle-tested writer. Like, he had a rote... Um, very successful runs for other uh, comic companies, including Image. And so the idea that he would need to be handheld um, to do Marvel felt weird. And then 
like they like he would go on to say that they would put word bubbles on his the covers of his comics without telling him things like really? that. right and word that, bu- like word bubbles on a cover of a comic though right like the last issue has word bubbles on it when he's like you guys can't cancel me or whatever Oh yeah, gonna... oh those, oh, yeah, oh, oh yeah, like oh, oh uh, what was it, fifty bad guys, not one wallet? Okay. Right, right, right. All that kind of stuff. And oh, he so doesn't. Like, he didn't like any of that. Well, he didn't find out till after the fact, and I think if you're not, if you're not, that's out, irresponsible. Then, yeah. Then you, you, even if you like it, you don't, you don't like it <laughs> because it's just. It's like I liked it if you would have told me first. I don't want to see the literal printing of my first issue, and it's an idea that I didn't have. Like I, t- I totally get it. I like the word bubbles on the comic. But I also do like how you see um, they'll co- like they'll have certain covers in the Irredeemable Batman that don't have writing on it, and I feel that that tells you more about what you need to know than the ones with writing. Right. Like it's so blatant that it, it, I I guess some people need to be having their hand held that you would see Ant Man standing above on top of like a mountain of bad guys and say fifty superheroes and not one wallet, you know, like. I guess people would need that kind of hand-holding because if they didn't, they wouldn't know that this is supposed to be a bad guy. But right. you should just – not bad guy, but uh, not a likable character. But you should already be – you should already have it in your head that this is going to be a not likable character because his name is literally irredeemable. Right. Well, like what does irredeemable mean, you know? Irredeemable. Ant-Man. And so our final issue has a hilarious cover of other failed heroes like Razorback, Wood God, Dazzler, etc., as they pull Such Eric a sad, away, sad, sad cover. Yeah, as they pull Eric away from his series, uh, as this is the final issue. Speaking of sad things, I, I wasn't making a note as it happened. I just wanted to make a note as the last one happened, because as the story opens, the cheerful ant who is usually catching us up on the previous issues seems oh, to be dying. That was that was so fucked up. Uh, as it's a like, world without an Ant Man book, yeah, it's not a world worth living in at all. So this whole time, every issue since the very first one opens up with an ant kind of like, okay, so here's the situation, you know, um, but he's kind of dead now. No, he's literally laying on his back like he's like all like in rigor mortis, like pre-rigor mortis, like his arms are like, oh man, that was so sad. It wasn't even fair. Like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Why'd you have to kill off poor Auntie? Oh, Anthony. Listen, Marvel got a problem with killing off ants. I'm not going to lie. Marvel got a problem with killing off ants, and I'm not having it. Ants. Ants, ants. I, I just think of that thing where, where um, Paul Rudd and uh, what's-his-face playing with the spoons. You ever seen that? Um, They're doing which ants Ant-Man? with the spoons. Uh, no, it's like a weird thing that they were doing for promotional material for some oh, reason. Oh, promotional material. Oh, man, I'm going to need to I'm gonna have to start catching that. They were just yelling, ants, and doing like the spoon. You know how you do the spoons on your legs? <laughs> Oh yeah! It's some weird. I don't know what they were doing. It like who was telling them to promote it that way? But it's hilarious. They're just like ants. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, as the story winds down, Eric, under the name Agent Spruce, and using a stolen ID badge, goes to check in on his boy Black Fox, who he got arrested, uh, and who's being held by Shield agents on the helicarrier, and is set to be transferred to the Vault, a prison inside the Negative Zone. Luckily, Eric is there to save his old friend, although Fox hasn't forgotten that Eric got him captured in the first place. Eric gives a half-hearted apology before leaving him some tools to break free. As he walks away, Black Fox calls him back to make a confession. When he went back to make sure he was out of his apartment during World War Hulk, he stole his Wii. He also confesses that he will not be giving it back. (laughs) I thought that was was pretty funny. (laughs) 
it, don't give it back, man. He literally sold your ass out boat down the river. But that's where the, that, I think that's where the funniest part of the joke happens because then Eric thinks for a second and he says, you know what? You're right. We're even. And then Black Fox agrees that Eric walks away, but then he realizes, wait a minute. <laughs> We're far from even. You, I, have, I have a gaming system. You, arre- you got me arrested by <laughs> a worldwide police force. Oh, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, though. No, they are kind of even because if you want to look up what 15% of 150,000 is, I, I think, you know, they're well I mean, they, the broke, of- they broke even on the jewels, but they wouldn't even have to have broken even if Eric didn't steal them in the beginning. You understand? Like, this friendship has done nothing for Black Fox, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, no, this is one of the most toxic friendships in comic book history. <laughs> the Wii stuff is great, you know? But sometimes, guys, it's more than the Wii, you know? It's got to be more than the Wii. It's, sorry about that. I'm just looking for you. Yeah, I mean, it, sometimes it is more than, the, more than the Wii. Sometimes it's the Xbox or the PlayStation. That's it. Uh, boo. Stony Stark is trying, to, is trying out candidates for the original Ant-Man program that started this whole mess, but none of the agents can get the hang of the suit. Eric gets a visit from Victoria, who tells him she's pregnant. His literal first response is, it sucks to be you. <laughs> Dude, tell me he's not a piece of shit! That's his what first response. A piece of shit! Is that it sucks to be you. She lets him in on the secret that it's his kid too! And he immediately asks her what she wants. What do you want? Victoria suggests they start dating so they can raise their new family. Eric refuses, saying he can't. So Victoria can't slaps believe, him. I can't believe she, like, Kirkman, what, do you, like, what, the, what was that response? Like, okay, I know a, oh, man. Right, you know like, that's getting, why, that's why, like, I don't understand the ending of this comic. Like, I'm guessing I'm supposed to have some kind of affinity for him and Abigail. But if he's this type of person, it's going to come out with Abigail eventually, I'm assuming. Yeah. And I wonder if he even wanted Victoria more because she knew he knew that Chris had her. Which, you know, guys can get petty like that. Those situations happen. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've seen that kind of like situation happen before where, you know, a girl come, uh, like a girl gets pregnant, to, uh, tries to tell the guy, but he's like a dick and like dumps her before she can even say it. And then she finally sees him again, gets the courage to say it. And her idea is that, maybe we'll be able to rekindle that spark that we found and the guy has that mindset of it's not going to be like that. Right. So seeing her, like, what what was he? He was gone. Had to have been half of a year. Well, and and, and I think that, you know, probably dead, probably presumed dead, you know? Like, if you don't see somebody for half a year, and I don't mean not see them, I'm talking about, like, not hear from them, no one Don't even know any information. No one seen them, you would assume that they're dead. There's enough, it was enough time for her to grow a belly. You know? Yep, because she's so, showing. Yeah. Um, oh man, I just I'm still uh, uh, that shit just still upset me. Like you know maybe we could try again. It's like, bro, I just never heard somebody like say for like two comics. I never heard anybody say I can't. Like I can't be there for the child. <laughs> like his his no, he was yeah, adamant. Was he was adamant that he world. couldn't. But I feel like his honesty is a cop out. No, you're not wrong on that. You you're one hundred percent right. His honesty is a cop out, but he was still honest in a sense. Right, because he, he was. This is his most vulnerable moment. Besides seeing him cry over Abigail in the picture, this is one of his most vulnerable moments where he literally sits down. He's like, he has his hands on his head. You can see the illustration that he's like crying, and he's just like, I, I'm a bad person. I, I, w- I wish I could turn it off, but I can't. I, I can't turn it off. I wish. I, 
that's when I started getting really frustrated and I wanted to hit you up, but I didn't know if you got to that point yet <laughs> because we've had right. this conversation before of if you are fully aware that, that you're doing something bad and you continue to do bad, you can't just say, I'm sorry and get away with it. It's the BoJack Horseman. He's like a worse BoJack. Yeah, you have to give yourself a bit of accountability. The world doesn't move you. You understand? You're, you're moving. You, you chose to move. You chose to do those things. You weren't forced or coerced. Uh, and so, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's he's telling her that he can't because he's a piece of shit and that stuff is going to rub off. But what then is he doing with Abigail? That's my issue. That's why I say that his honesty is a little bit eh because if he really feels that way about himself, why would he try to engage into another relationship? Doesn't make sense to me. Um, so, yeah, she slaps him and calls him a coward. Because he kind of is. In my opinion, O'Grady cops out by saying that he can't change the man he is, he can't evolve, and the kid would be better off without him. And then, so, but what's the point of do, of saying that to Abigail, like you said? You know? Because he's like, I'm going to try, I've got to try and be a better person, I'm going to be going no, yeah, for a while. He asks her for a chance. The same chance that Victoria is giving him right now. That he spit in the face and says, sucks to be you. 100%. Like, yeah. he, this is... I, That's why man. it just is really weird. It's a weird, really weird characterization of two women. Yeah, women are kind of getting the shit in the stick in a lot of comics that I'm reading. If anything, one of the most like empowering female characters to pick up to read about is Susie in Sex Criminals and Big Barda in Mr. Miracle. Ah, you see, I thought this was going to be the moment where you bring up uh, Courtney Whitmore. An- another, pr- another perfect example of fucking female empowerment that has to do with the teenage angst and the feeling of I want to be an adult mixed mixed with the I need to have fun and be a kid. Like she's so damn it, she's she's just so fun. <laughs> she's bubbly. Like why'd you have to right. bring this up? Because I love this girl so much. Like especially her characterization in the show. She's so bubbly and outgoing. Optimistic. She's literally yeah. looking through her school yearbook, a yearbook of a school that she just got there. Like this is not her school. She just bought this school yearbook to pick out who could be the next Wildcat, who could be the next Dr. Midnight, who could be the next Hour Man. Like, she's so bubbly and fun and a leader, but she's also in her own head sometimes, so she could be selfish. It's like the best of both worlds. Right. But with this guy, you just get the worst of one world. Yeah. Yeah, the worst of one world. And it, what's so yeah. frustrating is when I when – I, I guess it's because of knowing you and having having a friendship with you that helped me grow and develop as a person that I didn't expect myself to get so – angered and bothered because i remember when i first read this book i'm like oh this is the greatest comic book i've ever read why and why it could literally comic books like you could this? literally feel like eric did like whoops sucks to be you you can literally feel that way if you have no attachment to abigail i mean sorry to victoria and like you know some people might have lost some attachment when she tried to sleep with the guy the dead guy's friend on his grave you know even though she's the one who stopped it you know she was kind of down there and with it too so, yeah but she was uh, the one that didn't engaged just because uh, yes she made the right call by by like uh catching her head and like we can't do this but she was still engaging i guess what part of what makes a good person is not your first thought it's your second thought and first action yeah yeah that's what makes that's what a person is like you're not a bad person by your very first thought you're a bad person if you have that same thought a second time and then do something with that thought or if you act on it yeah 100 percent um but so oh yeah so she slapped someone's already talked about that called him a coward um 
He starts to make excuses again, but she recognizes what he, she recognizes what he's doing. He brings up Chris and how he should have saved his life at uh, as his last point for being useless, because in that moment he only cared about himself. Victoria, completely destroyed by Eric having the worst response ever to uh, baby news, storms off in tears as Eric is called over the PA system to meet with Tony Stark, and he believes it is now time for him to get sentenced for his crimes. Stark gets right to brass tacks as he explains that the suit is incredibly complicated and none of the agents have mastered it like O'Grady. Eric thinks this means Tony is asking him to train the next Iron Man, but he explains that he wants Eric to be that Iron Man. After some training exercises, oh, Ant Man! (laughs) After some training exercises to confirm he has what it takes, Tony invites Eric to join the initiative a 50-state program where registered heroes of each state work in cohesion and report to Iron Man. His first assignment is training tomorrow morning, so he takes the suit that night to go see Abigail. Even though they left things in a bad place, she embraces him, happy to see that he's still alive. What did you think was going to become of this reunion? With, um... Abigail, at the end? Yeah, uh... I... I honestly, at this point, movie tropes. Okay. Like that whole like running like, um, for the plane. Think of it as yesterday's Doom Patrol episode. You know, I'm I'm fucked up. I'm sorry. Right. Stuff like that. But what do you like, think her take on all this was gonna be? Do you think it was all gonna be like a happy ever after moment? I think she did because I think the fact that she made that comment before the whole battle in New York that she made the comments like I know you still love me. I have the feeling. I think that it was her way of. Saying, listen, man, we can make this work if you stop being an idiot. You know, like right. she she told him about her kid. To me, that means she does love him. Or was at least at least valued a level of transparency with him that he doesn't seem to really care about. Uh, so, uh, but, but she, he confesses that he does love her, but he has some training to do. He doesn't want to go and fears that she won't wait, but says it's for their future. But this one was so beautiful that honestly made me almost tear up a bit where she said, I'll give you one year. It'll take me that long to get over you anyways. I'm pretty sure she calls him an asshole. Oh, she calls him an asshole. But it was just that whole (laughs) – it it confirmed that she did love him because she's literally saying it's going to take me 365 days to get over you. Not a month, not a week, not six months. It's going to take me a full year around the sun, a full – Trip around the sun, and I'm going to get over you. And that's a hell of a confession, right? Like It is. Holy hell. But she was doing nothing but giving hella confessions to this guy. On their first date, she straight up says, yo, I don't tip. Right. I, I, my coffee only got filled three times. Yeah. You know? She pulled the Steve Buscemi. You know, when, <laughs> I'm, when, I'm, when I order coffee, I want my coffee filled five, six times. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, maybe they are. They, they, they do deserve each other. Um, I think they do in a sense of I feel like. Eric, in the right moment, like, if he was a better person, he can still have that fun, how do I, it's like the Saul and, it's like Jimmy and Kim. You're talking about, like, like, like dangling on the line between, between doing bad things and. But it would still be at no one's expense for that. I feel like Eric can give her a love. (laughs) Yeah, like, Eric can make her more fun and she can make him more honest. Okay. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's like, you know, they balance each other out because maybe she is, she does seem uptight, but that's just Kirkman's writing and the interpretation of how this character acted when we first introduced her. 
she seems like an uptight, I don't have fun type of character. And Eric can introduce the level of fun in her life. And she could also introduce a level of goodness, wholesome fun, a wholesome love. But it's also now in my head, it's like, but he could have done that with Victoria. Why is he doing that here? <laughs> He's trying to be stepfather when he is a father. It's like, right. Yeah. There's so many. And then there is a lot of the way he speaks about their future and this training. There is a lot of like posturing here. Like he's trying to get her to see him as a man of action, as a man that's going to do these things, that has a mission, that is driven, that has focus. Did you get that? Did you feel like he was trying to kind of impress her with his now new duty of being a superhero? Because I felt like that was a little bit of the uh, inclination behind bringing up the training, bringing up being Ant-Man, etc. Well, I kind of, in preparation of writing my notes for last week's episode... I kind of watched Variant Comics history of Ant-Man. Right. And yeah, there was four Ant-Mans in total. There was Hank Pym, Scott Lang, and then for they're counting. I don't know why Variant Comics counted it, but they count Chris McCarthy as as, as a an Ant-Man for a second. Wow. And then Irredeemable Ant-Man Eric. Because I always knew that there was three, but I guess if they want to count Chris McCarthy, Mitch sure. But Ant-Man longer than Chris was. Hell yeah, even 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 he was an Ant Man. But what I what I ended up doing is I ended up spoiling a lot of things that I wanted to that I kind of <laughs> wanted to get into and read for myself. Okay. Especially like Ant Man doesn't have his own title after, after this. this. No, he goes into yeah. the initiative. But he does end up appearing many more times after being a mainstay Ant Man for a while until a lot of things. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody that's going to want to get into it because I'm. I don't like. I don't like spoiling it for people just because I'm the one that got spoiled. It's like you know that's right. like childish. Yeah, I'm not a child, so. But do you get what I, do you get what I'm saying though about the purpose that he's trying to impress her? Oh with? yeah, he's. Oh yeah, he's basically saying like, look at me. I'm. I'm this and I'm that. It's. It's all. He's talking about his action instead of just doing his action. Right. He literally could have left a letter at her doorstep. And then, you know, he could have, like, by the time she read that letter, he could be halfway to Utah or something. 100%, yeah. But he decided to do this, like, show. Like, I'm going to show up here in my suit. And I'm going to tell you to wait for me and all that. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I guess I don't know if I trust him as a hero. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he, I, but I he seems to, to want to impress her. At, at the very least, he wants to impress her. Whether or not it's anything truthful, he's Yeah, but what, but, but, what is in, what, what is the purpose of trying to impress somebody? Shouldn't you want to earn somebody to win somebody like to impress somebody? Well, because he re- felt he felt like he fell a couple of ranks after all the bullshit, you know. And you're right. I'm more. I'm much more of a show not tell kind of person. But he, I think maybe he thinks in speaking it, maybe it will come to light. Because like, he, he talks into you. the universe. He's manifesting. I'm going. I'm. I love you. I'll be back. This is all for us. You know. Maybe him, he's thinking that if he speaks it, uh, it'll be true. Um, he says he can't w- ask her to wait for him, but promises that he's trying to be a better person. So he drops his Derek Sullivan persona for the first time, coming clean as Eric O'Grady and Atman instead of slaying Mantis. Uh, and she calls him an asshole, says he has one year, and reminds him not to screw this up as Eric takes off out of the window. Now on Cloud Nine, Eric as the redeemed Ant-Man <laughs> flies through the city of New York and sees commotion with Spider-Man fighting the absorbing man and doing his best to try to save a civilian. He considers helping before declaring, eh, Spidey has it covered, showing that maybe he hasn't changed so much after That's all. what I'm trying to say! <laughs> That's what I'm trying to fucking say! He, 
He wasn't on a time-based schedule. Right. No. He could have gotten to he he could have gotten to shield at two o'clock in the morning, and they would have transported his ass right then and there, and he'd be right there for training. It wouldn't have taken him more than an hour or two hours to help Spider-Man fight Absorbing Man. And oh yeah, and do, when you think and when you think of like um, networking, Spider-Man, somebody you want to have on your side, you know, like especially since it was especially Spider-Man's stance on Civil War and everything. Right. Like you would think, yeah, I'm I'm right there, bro. I got you, but no. But but I I think in this instance he's on the other side of that so maybe that's that could also be something that colored his opinion on all this. Um, but as you can see, they were able to publish this comic, twelve issues. Eric O'Grady as the Ant Man, and it has not shattered the Ant Man mythos at all. There are not people burning Eric O'Grady comics in the streets. There are not people ba- uh, boycotting. I mean, Hank Pym slapped his wife, so I mean, you know, like, the bar is pretty low for the bar is the, low. for, for Ant Man. I mean, not really, because Scott Lang only stole the suit to save his daughter's life. Yeah, Scott Lang's kind of kind of cool. He's kind of. I think Scott Lang should be like the mainstay. This generation, yeah, yeah, like you know how like like uh, like our grandparents grew like up Wally. on Jay Garrick Wally and stuff West, like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Scott Lang, Ant Man, should be our Wally West Flash. Right. Because I feel like from what I've from a lot of the things that not that I've personally read myself, but getting into comics historian and. Um, we love comics or whatever that other fucking the, the, all these comic <laughs> right, YouTubes right, 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 right. that yeah. I've gotten into, wanting to know more about Ant Man because of the movie that was that when it was coming out, I ended up fucking falling in love with Scott Lang. I'm like, yo, why isn't he Ant Man? Why can't he be Ant Man? <laughs> like, I, I want, I seriously want to read a twenty a twenty twenty Marvel comic that's in actual continuity, and the Ant Man is Scott Lang. I would be head over heels. I'd say thank you for doing this for me, and I don't deserve it because I feel like that he brings a level of not only actual good heart and morals to the to the moniker, but he's just Fonzie in a fucking outfit. Yeah, yeah. Fonzie in an Outman, an Ant Man outfit. He's he's cool. Do you think you'll ever follow him into those other adventures? Would I ever follow him? Yeah. How so? Like, do you think you will? see where he goes next in comics and see if you can read those issues oh um which Ant-Man? eric Lang eric? Or eric yeah yes 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 okay 100% i want to read him on an avengers team because for some reason in my head i have a feeling that it's going to be a mix of both it's going to be a mix of him being like this asshole but he still saves the day when he has to but i guess that level of nuance some people need but i also feel like sometimes we don't we shouldn't want a hero to be a reluctant one you don't yeah. want reluctant heroes well you yeah because you don't want them all to be reluctant what if you get, what, you what go, if you go into a, a scenario <laughs> and he was like oh i'm gonna save this train but let me just you know uh crack you, my back are you me, talking you know, about you to, are you talking about fucking bvs where he's where he's oh. where he's saving people from fires and he has a look on his face like ugh, another fire you people are terrible. You guys can't save oh, no, yourselves. No, no, no. no. I'm not, I'm not going to have this one because you know what? That's not a look of regret. Like, am I really saving people? That's a look of are people really this lost that they have to kill That's what I'm saying. Like, That's what I'm saying. Like, he, he's looking at the whole thing like we're a bunch of uh, mice that keep bumping into the into the wall or something like that. Yes, that, 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 that sad look on Superman's face from someone like you could be looked at as someone that just doesn't want to do this anymore. But to me, I'm looking at it as someone's like, He's happy to do it, but he's still not. He's still not going to do it with a smile on his face. I don't believe Superman saving a planet with a smile on his face. I believe in a Superman that would happily save a planet 
but still feel heartbroken that we have to do this to each other. It's like fire, they're like, you know, like cops, you know, like, or firefighters or ambulance workers, like anybody that's in the front lines of civilian needs of help. Yeah, they'll happily throw their life into the line to jump into that burning building, but yeah. they're not going to be, they're not going to be like, you know, smiles and rainbows about it. It's like, come on, did you really have to put that oily rag right next to that outlet? Do you really want the insurance money this bad? Like, Sometimes people do, I will admit, people do take a lot out of superheroes. I feel like like not every, that's why Sanctioned was so great to me. That whole little therapy thing. Because it's like sometimes, you know, saving the the same city 500 times in a month from the same people, not even bad guys, not even like villains. I mean like the same crap. Uh-huh. That would that kind of would take a lot out of you. I, I I imagine Batman isn't the most happy person in the world, knowing <laughs> oh god damn it it's right. three o'clock in the morning and my bat signals up. Oh Alfred, who is it? But he likes uh, justice because he would think of it like oh it's three o'clock in the morning. There might be a kid that's gonna get his parents killed. I need to stop you know that. That's... I need to get there first. That is, that is that is a hell of a motivation though to be to to know that RK at this time is when I lost my my parents maybe there's somebody out there that might lose theirs I don't want to risk that right that's kind of, that's kind of a kind of a dope motivation that's why I feel like that's why I feel like his motivation is a bit more labored than superman's like he doesn't have the pressure superman is more about pressure of uh, if you great power comes great responsibility if I can save the most people why aren't I at all times and that's why I talk, joke around a lot about like him like every day that he decides that he's going to have a 30 minute meal with Lois that's 30 minutes of people dying. You know, like, yeah, also, would, could, could, would you, I, I, and this is a serious question about sure, it. Like, do you want Superman to have no life 24 so, seven, every single day? All he does is save, 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 save. If you're it, that, it, like, you'll, you'll never see Clark Kent because that's all Superman does. As soon as he does uh, this one thing, he goes halfway to Zimbabwe to another, then goes all the way to France so, and then goes all the way to, to Canada, then America, then to Brazil. Like, he would never have a social life. So recently in the comics, he has relinquished the Clark Kent identity. Wow. Recently, he has told everybody that he is Superman. Clark Kent's kind of sort of dead. Everyone knows. Like I'm talking about like recently, like probably like in this year, the last 365 days. Um, so they are going that route with him. They are at least testing it because he can still have a life, but it wouldn't be a life full of lies. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, but but this is also, like you say, like, you know, if Superman decides to sit down and have a meal, within that five minutes, 200 million people just died. Right. And he could have saved 1.5 of those million. Right, right, right. It's going to take a toll on this poor guy. Well, that's the whole, that's the compelling part of Superman, and I would love to see that toll. <laughs> you, you, you saw the toll... Zack Snyder gave you the toll. No, but that's his, his that's his first year of doing this thing. Remember, okay, Superman gets okay, outed with, he gets outed with Zod. Remember? That's yeah. he he's he's saving onesies and twosies, but he is not the Superman until he gets outed from Zod. Then that kills a bunch of people in Metropolis, and then he goes to save onesies and twosies for the year that um that Batman is building his murder weapons. He's going around and saving ships and people from fires and floods and all that kind of stuff. And he's pissed already. Ugh. Why did I sign up for this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, it, yeah, reluctant superheroes can be a bit of a pain. But I thought that how touching would it be to cover this second half right when there's a, there's a new Batwoman announced. There's a, somebody else 
going to be wearing the mantle, but not the same character. And what kind of freedoms that, that presents and what kind of questions that can make us ask ourselves. I know I asked myself a lot of questions dealing with this Ant-Man, what I, what I would do and what I wouldn't. And I hope that the new um, Batwoman allows for that same kind of storytelling as well. Uh, but, I'm not. I won't even lie. I, just because of that, I'm. That, is this character that that just got casted? Is this even in a comic? No. So this is a brand new character made up out of nowhere and given the mantle of Batwoman. Yes. Oh, I'm. I'm sold. I'm. This is everything that we've been asking for. I mean, this is the, everything we've been asking for. My An big original thing is like, character right? made up, but given the mantle name because truly, whoever is whatever the there's a outfit. Some of these people, you don't even see their face because they have a mask. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter doesn't who's matter. under the mask. If you <laughs> right. okay, it's it's a difference if you know they decide to cast you know like Jaden Smith to play Peter Parker. Right. You're gonna get an uproar, and I will be one of those people that give an uproar because I'll say you could have casted Jaden Smith to play Miles Morales. Right. You know, it doesn't matter that to me. It's just. The fact that Miles Morales exists, it's beautiful. There's a there's a black Spider-Man that that a black kid can look up and relate to the way I grew up relating to Peter Parker. Right, but that so that that, that problem is not is not here. It doesn't exist here. The problem of like why are they making this gorgeous black woman play Kate Kane? Because she's not. Exactly. So, so it's that's even not, more yeah. be- it's even more better. It's more better because now anybody that hates on season two of Batwoman for the decision of who's playing Batwoman, I'm gonna look at them and I'm gonna say, but what happened it's to you? It's kinda sorta just because sell- she's black. <laughs> they, no, won't, they won't say that it. kind of sorta because she's black. Yeah, you know. It, like, and it's I mean, so frustrating because I I will never forget I've read a thousand of these comics. Oh, why do you guys have to race swap? Why can't you just make your own original characters that everybody can relate to? Well, we have it now. So if you hate on Batwoman season two, you're just a racist and you don't want to say out loud, I don't thing want is, a black woman playing Batwoman. If you've read enough comics, if you're a true comic fan, then you you give credence to the idea of the multiverse. And if you believe in the multiverse, you know that there is all kinds of shades and sizes of every single superhero. Of There's course, a million Supermans. And you'll have you, your favorite. There's a million Spider-Men. And you'll have your favorite. Don't let people I read get their the favorite. Spider-Verse book because right. of you. You downloaded it onto my Kindle. There was literally an, a Spider-Man from India. Right. And imagine if you would have stopped at that moment and been like, Spider-Man from India and threw the book over your shoulder. Like, is that really the point you're going to, you know, like, is that that's, really the problem? That's just is that really racism. Right, right. Is that really the, the, the is, is that when your suspension of disbelief in this story about somebody bitten by a radioactive spider, is that when it gets activated? You know, when it's like, oh, I'm like, oh, an Indian, an Indian hero, this can't be real. And you throw it over your shoulder. It's like, no, no, just but give it, all this so a chance. But it's so funny because it even says Earth 516A. Right. And it's Punjabi Spider-Man. Like, yeah. you know, it's. There, 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 there was an eight. There's like three Asian women as Spider-Man. There's like three Silks. Right. There's May, there's Mayday Parker, Parker's daughter. There's Silk. You know, just another spider that they can't stop having sex. Right. Like there's Spider Woman. Right. There's Miles Morales. Well, that's that's a great part about Spider-Verse. Yeah. Parkers. Like I, that's what yeah. I loved about that book. When I was reading Spider-Verse, it's like okay, I got a hundred different Peter Parkers, but for every single Peter Parker. I got five diverse Spider-Man characters. Right. And so it was you, so you, beautiful. And so no one no one Peter Parker defines the forever Spider-Man. 
Different we shades. all know Earth 626 is our 616. I'm 626 is Stitch's from number from Lilo <laughs> right, and Stitch. Right, right. Damn it. So yeah, Earth 616 Spider-Man we all know is our in-main continuity Spider-Man because they even make it a point in that book by saying the only person more Lun couldn't defeat was 616 Spider-Man and he stays right. away from Earth 616. Right. Through the whole book, no one was going near Earth 616. But the thing is, people read Ultimate Spider-Man. And if you've watched Ultimate Spider-Man, that's not 616. That's in the Ultimate Universe. That's why it's called Ultimate Spider-Man. Miles Morales debuts in Ultimate Spider-Man. He doesn't debut in 616 Spider-Man. So he's not even an continuity character and people would still... But what ends up happening is, what ends up happening is, you know, that Peter dies. He becomes the Spider-Man of his universe, the Ultimate Universe. And then ultimately, the Ultimate Universe ends up being smashed together with the regular universe and he survives. So now he's in 616. Now he's with all of our heroes and stuff. But he initially existed elsewhere. So that's what I'm saying. They, there's so many different shades to all these characters. And you, I challenge you. I challenge the ones that hate this announcement. Because I'm calling your bluff. You don't like Batwoman. Oh, I'm there for it. <laughs> you I'm, never I'm, I'm liked right on, Batwoman. Right you don't care about Batwoman. But for some reason, the news that came out has has, you know... It stung you in the butt, and you feel like you have to say something. I've I've seen some really nasty comments come out of all this, um, and I'll address them. I, if you're listening to this, then odds are my blog's already up, so go check my blog, because I'll be talking about it there. But, yeah, man, we got to do better as comic book uh, fans. I know the good ones are out there, but you bad ones, shame on you, because in a multiverse, no, there's so fans. many different they're possibilities. They're uh, totalitarians. They're comic fascists. Yeah. They're, they're comic fascists, and I don't of all, of all things to Of all things to... Make fascist uh, comics like the most liberal thing. Literally, ever. <laughs> the most liberal. Like literally, these books were made for everybody. You can't. Right. You as a comic book enthusiast can can tell me if I'm wrong. But everybody that's made a character, like all Golden Age and Silver Age characters, were they not trying to reach all walks of life and all races, yeah. creeds, and religions? And by colors? the time you get into Wasn't Silver, Stanley's- you get. Yeah, by the time you get into like the 60s, 70s, you got the introduction of Falcon, the introduction of, of John Stewart. You know, you're like comics before Hollywood in many cases started embracing gay people first, black people, um, you know, uh, all the LGBT community. Oh, it's in Stan Lee's soapbox that's in every yeah. comic. You know, like he, he is here for all races, creeds, religions, walks of life, Excelsior. Like, right. come on. And, and come comic on. book click is, is far, far from bigoted. You know, we, oh, we love we, we and are... accept everybody. Totally dig we it. do. I mean, I understand we want it. All fans, but I we love want you. All fans, we don't. Well, all right. I guess we we shouldn't say we want all fans because no Nazis. You know, Nazis, you already know. No, no Nazis. That's worse than being a pedophile. <laughs> it is. It is in many cases. <laughs> uh, and oh, that, that, that that laughing seems disingenuous. So yeah, that laugh seems disingenuous, but it's an inside joke. Because um, <laughs> everyone's like, "Why is they laughing about pedophilia?" Anyway, um, oh yeah, no, we're not. We're anyway, not. yes, you know, challenge yourself to new things, to new characters, to new perspectives, and you'll find yourself uh, way happier. Because I, I've been open-minded about the my comic book journey in general. That's what's bumped me into all these different recommendations from friends, from um, colleagues, uh, from the actual comic book, you know, uh, society that's out there, and that's what's landed us on some very unique stories like this one. But we have over 130 different episodes ca- tackling all kinds of different stories. Um, DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, um, independent comics, 
we uh, some Vertigo stuff. We did a bunch of Alan Moore. We've done a bunch of Superman stuff. We've uh, tackled the entire X-Men franchise. We've tackled all seasons of Arrow. We, we're all over the place, but in the best way. So make sure that you are subscribed and you like and you share the Major Issues podcast. Uh, the first place you can find it, the easiest place you can find it, is comicbookclick.com. Our official website. We're big boys now. It started in 2020, this year of our Lord. Uh, but now we have a one-stop for all of our stuff via comic book click including every episode of the major issues podcast that's over 130 episodes which means over 120 uh over uh 260 hours of me talking because i've been on every single damn episode uh so go back and listen to that it has all of our merchandise including the new star girl and uh doom patrol shirts that i have made recently so those oh, are up I, there did you send did you even send me the star girl one did i check out the star girl one the star girl one is the one that looks like the star boy uh, album cover. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, that, that, then I yeah I've been I've been showing everybody that one. Yeah. And it's gone some it's gone some by so I'm I'm pretty happy. Bro, it's it's fucking amazing. Um, Listen, guys, guys, you think that he doesn't do this stuff? He he sends me when it's like not even halfway though. When he's doing an outline of these designs, he's showing me this is what the outline is gonna look like. He makes all of this stuff in his head. This man is yeah. a genius. Our yeah, that Doom Patrol one we did yesterday. Like literally, you told me about it yesterday, and then we did it yesterday. <laughs> so yeah because like the second the second that scene happened yeah. the second the second he said stealing stone i'm like oh yeah t-shirt, t-shirt idea right away and then they did that whole little 70s scene i'm like oh yeah t-shirt idea <laughs> let's do this but you know you don't gotta you don't gotta um you know uh prop me up too much because besides all the merchandise which is at the shop cbc link i think also the the stealing stone shirt is going to be is on sale for 14 bucks for the next 24 hours um or uh, well, I don't know if it will be by the time this happens, but we'll see. And uh, but yeah, besides me, you have an article on, on underneath the major articles banner, getting people ready for Umbrella Academy season two by going over the best moments of season one. You're getting ready to introduce people to Star Girl and try to get more. Yes, fans I have. With I that, have one entry left, and when I'm done with that entry, I'm gonna be email you because the fans need to know that Star Girl is the best debut <laughs> show this year. Like I'm. That's how he you, feels. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing, and so I challenge them to write an they, article about it. Yeah. What else did they do this people. year? What else will they do this year? Because For all the those first MCU time, shows got pushed. Uh, b- 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 I don't know. And a lot of things got canceled recently, like like Runaways, you know? Um, yeah. Which we tackled. But I mean, like, season year. one debuts coming out this year. I think Stargirl's the only show that's premiering this year because all the yeah, MCU Bat shows Woman got pushed the next year. year. Bad one was last year. We'll see. Yep. If, we'll see if any of those Marvel shows come out as they're supposed to. Uh, you know, like. Far but so far, this is the so. best show that's come out this year. I I challenge anybody to watch the first two episodes and tell me that you are not already interested. I'm no basically way. caught up, so he no has, he has a he has a, a, a you know a claim to this. So I, I I wanted him to write an article to you guys. The click. Um, kind of convincing you guys to get on board before the series ends. You know, it's available on the DC Universe app and as, as well as CW. And I'm pretty sure CW has a back catalog of some of the uh, episodes to watch on demand. So there's various ways to catch the show. Uh, Dan will be doing his best to tell you about the show. Uh, I have a blog every single Sunday that comes Please out. Please read it, guys. Where it's I, a great blog. I'm basically being transparent about the things I'm reading, the things I'm listening to, what's next for the podcast, and usually something about what's going on in the world <laughs> uh, this week, like I said again, I'll be ta- I'll be tackling the Batwoman casting and why I think people are being way too uh, over the hill about it. 
Um, but yeah, Comic Book Click, honestly, is a place I want you guys to all go because it has everything. It's the easiest. But if you already have a podcast app, you can find the Major Issues Podcast wherever podcasts are, which is Podbean, Stitcher, the Apple Podcast app, the Google Podcast app, TuneFind, Spotify, YouTube. Um, did I say Podcast Addict? That's up there too. Stitcher. Uh, SoundCloud, I think, maybe. <laughs> We're everywhere. The quickest way to find this is to Google Major Issues Podcast. Just those three episodes. And no matter what device you're using, we will always be the first ones to pop right up. Because we're always talking about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Um, yes, we are. We want to talk more to you guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start trying to do more lives and stuff to try to engage our fan base. I know our fan base is there, but I think they're a bit shy. I want them to start talking They are definitely us. very shy. So you actually should try and start doing like, you know, live videos on Facebook. Because at least even if they don't want to talk with their words, most people are more inclined to type on a keyboard than anything. Yeah, and they I, a lot of people will type on a keyboard if it means I don't have to actually say anything. And that's the thing when it comes to faces, it's kind of like genitalia. Sometimes they'll show you theirs if you show them yours. You know, so I'm hoping, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm hoping that that's that's the case for that. Uh, but if you want to see my face, I dar will be on Facebook.com/slash/comicbookclick, Instagram at comicbookclick, or use the hashtag comicbookclick to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also at Major Issue CBC on the Twitter machine. Uh, that's where we got a like from Dean Kane before I found out that he was crazy. So you can go back and see, look at, <laughs> you can go back and look at all that stuff. That's all great. Uh, we have some memes up there. We've got some fan art. I just posted. Um, did you see that Homelander reverse flash? Yes, that was that great. Thing? Like that. He can totally do that. <laughs> he can, to- that he can totally be great in that role. Now, Anthony Rapp is, I, I'm about to start, um, was it Banshee or Homeland? I think it's I Banshee. I heard Banshee was, was bonkers. So it's- so yeah, I'm about to have to start Banshee just for Anthony Rapp, man. Star. Anthony Star. Okay, yeah. why did it Oh Anthony Rapp's from oh, oh, nope, wrong actor. Uh-oh. But um yeah, uh follow us wherever we are at social media. Uh it's the quickest way for us to contact you guys and just really I really just want to talk about this stuff. This is the whole reason why we have the podcast. It's not all buttoned up and you know, I like to talk we about this to stuff. Talk. Yeah, and I like to talk about this stuff from with friends. And if you've bought a shirt, if you've listened to a podcast, if you've liked or shared a meme, you're a friend to comic book click. So uh come on guys, let's all let's all get in on the conversation. Uh let's follow us it. across all social media. I think oh the quickest and cheapest thing that you could do to support this podcast, though, is to rate and review us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't like about the podcast and change accordingly. I know that we become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media because I've been to the future. But I can't tell you guys how we do it. And I'm not 100% sure how. So I'm just crossing my fingers, hoping we get to the finish line, jump on the bandwagon before it ends up becoming too full, and help join us as we binge watch the future. <laughs> <laughs> but my name is George Serrano, aka the Don. I am Dan the Comic Man. And this has been our Irredeemable Ant Man Part 2 recap and review. And remember, whether or not you're irredeemable, whether you've truly redeemed yourself, whether you're running from your responsibilities, standing up for what you believe in, pro registration, anti shield, or just got some baby mama drama, remember that we are the click, and remember that you. Yes, you are worthy.